Hello everybody and welcome back to Season 8 of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, it's Matt Stockton. Get everybody up. Do it now. I want them all activated. You heard me. I want the Sequelizers in a body bag by sundown. <laughs> uh, what, but what's your quote, Matt? Oh, um, Jesus Christ, it's Jason <laughs> Bourne in oh. a sequel. There we go. Nailed it. <laughs> Spoiler alert. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the passion of christ too it is it is it's featuring matt damon and willem dafoe as <laughs> craig christ and jesus christ <laughs> and joining matt and i also as always it's tim matum well if you're going to reprogram human genetic material you need a delivery system and nothing works better than matt stockton he's like a suitcase <laughs> he is like a suitcase that's so, that's so weird. Who knew? I, I was the original influence for the film Lucy by Luc Besson. It makes a, that makes a lot of sense. It was originally just called Matthew, but I thought it was a bit weird. Mm. Just, just Stogs. Matt. Yeah, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt certainly teased the film would be fixing, but which one? Mm, interesting. Controversial. Yeah, you'll find out in a moment. But before we get to revealing the film doing the synopses, talking about the history of the franchise, talking about the bad film, and actually fixing the film. Let's give a little shout-out to patreon.com slash sequelizers, shall we, gentlemen? Yes. Thank, thank you, Matthew. I appreciate that. <laughs> thank you for the confirmation. Because you can go, dear listeners, to patreon.com slash sequelizers. You can get all the bonus outtakes. We did an amazing little game, a little sweepstakes draft thing for the, the outtakes this time that will not have results for another, like, three months or so. So it's a long-term booking in terms of our outtakes for the first time ever which is very exciting yeah, yeah you can get bonus episodes which is coming up when we come to interseason stuff they're exclusive episodes of interseason goodness that are only available on patreon and you can also get exclusive merch i'm wearing one of our public t-shirts at the moment but we also have exclusive t-shirts only available for patrons as well and if you go to the highest the top two tiers you can become an executive producer and get a shout out like these fine people did Mike Salvia. This is Jason Bourne. Andy Steen. This is Jason Bourne. Jonathan Firth-Clark. This is Jason Bourne. Xenos. This is Jason Bourne. Josh van der Sluis. This is Jason Bourne. And Josh Miles. Jesus Christ, that's Jason Bourne. Thank you very much, executive producers, as always. This episode... <sighs> this is a bad film, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. It's The Bourne Legacy. Yeah. Legacy. A legacy. Uh, which is the, if you're not aware, it's the 2012 one with Jeremy Renner in it for some reason. And yeah. So. Should we address yeah. the elephant in the room? Jeremy Renner. <laughs> Basically, there is going to be a very single reaction to that hearing that. Uh, some people are going to say, fuck off. Born Legacy is a spin off not a sequel other people say why aren't you doing jason bourne that's a bad sequel um this is a conversation is. they're not wrong yeah this is a conversation we had with ourselves because mm. i think on the list we had jason bourne and then we said well hang on what about the bourne legacy and we said what about it and we discussed it back and forth and because the we'll get to this later obviously but 
the events in the Born Legacy, much like weirdly enough, three hundred Rise of an Empire take place at the same time as the Born Ultimatum. Mm-hmm. The third, film. but also the correct. Thank you. But also at the same time, the characters in the first three films have a direct furthering of their story in this movie. It's just not Jason himself. So is it a spin-off? Is it a sequel? It's a really hard one to 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 kind of gauge. But at the same time, if we fix Jason Bourne, we're gonna wipe out both of these fucking movies anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, Spo- spoiler alert, I'm fixing this one. And I may do just that. <laughs> There's a little mm. tease for you. Because yeah, <laughs> yeah, the 2016, I believe, Jason Bourne, the fifth in the franchise, which we'll get onto in a second. We'll, we'll, we'll obviously do synopses and the history of the franchise and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, is a weird, weird film. You're like, oh, everything's going to be fixed. Matt Damon's back. Paul Greengrass is back. Everything will be fine. No, it wasn't. It was not fine. That <laughs> film is bad, but bad for completely different reasons to Born Legacy. Let's so let's talk about the good film. Should we start off on a positive note? Talk about Born Identity, the Born Supremacy, and the Born Ultimatum, because I rewatched them obviously fairly recently for this episode. And goddamn, that's some good. That's some good ass films. They're they're very like. Really good for like watching in short succession. You know, I typically do my rewatches like I watch yeah. every film as in the twenty-four hour period and all that kind of stuff. So it's just fresh in my mind from one to the next and all this kind of stuff. They flow really surprisingly well as a trilogy in short succession, and they were sort of like a few years apart from each other. So the initial one came out in two thousand and two, then in two thousand and four, and then two thousand and seven for Ultimatum. And yeah really like i remembered quite a bit of them but like they had all kind of blurred into one big jason Bourne adventure <laughs> so what was your experience with them coming into them i mean again i had you said you've seen them all before was that i don't i don't know if you were of the age to see them in the cinema i imagine you were um well, any I of would, them i would have been 16 ultimatum? or 17 when ultimatum came out yeah so I could, yeah i could have seen it in the cinema, but i didn't i saw them all on dvd a few years later probably sure. A decade or so ago, probably, you know, mm-hmm. what, I think I had like a triple box set kind of thing or something like that. I borrowed from yeah. a friend or a sister or whatever it was. Um, and yeah, really, really enjoy these films. I think they're, and I know we'll talk about it, like the influence they've had on action cinema oh, and stuff, the, the shaky about, cam yeah. edit, fast editing, Paul Greengrass thing that is obviously now uh, milked to death <laughs> <laughs> in things such as <laughs> Taken and Taken 6 or whatever the fuck the latest Taken is called. <laughs> Where it where it takes fifteen jump cuts for Liam Neeson to jump over a build over a fence, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think these films really hold up really well. Um, I was, you know, interested and captivated on all the mysteries and stuff going forward. I enjoy multiple more characters than I remember enjoying. If that makes sense, there, there's a sure, lot more depth sure. and dynamics than I remember there being because I, I remember it being very Jason Bourne heavy, but actually you really learn to like. Landy and Nikki Parsons and a few other people like mm. along the way and a few even a few of the other hitmen who are interesting was like I was like is that Clive Owen in the first one fuck me that is Clive <laughs> yeah. Owen oh yeah a very young clean shaven bespectacled Clive Owen playing a character I later found out is called the Professor <laughs> yeah yes they all have really weird code names that are never said out loud in the film yeah like, screening scrolling through the cast I'm like who the fuck is the Professor oh the sniper guy <laughs> right right mm. that makes sense. But yeah, I, I love these films. And then mm. Legacy, um, I again watched on DVD a few years later after it came out. 
Mm. Uh, it's a big old piece of shit. Big old piece of shit. Don't so, like that film very much at all. Have you seen? Did you see any of them in the cinema then? I have not seen any of them in the cinema at all. Interesting. Yeah, and and I watched Jason Bourne for the first time in preparation for this oh, episode. Oh, very interesting. I had not okay. seen Jason Bourne, the fifth one, until so about three weeks ago. Legacy had tapped you out as far as you were concerned. Agreed. Yeah, I had no interest in returning. Even with Damon and Greengrass, I heard Damon Greengrass back. I was like, oh, cool. And then I heard, it doesn't work. And I was like, shit, I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to waste my time with that. <laughs> Thanks, so, yeah. Uh, Tim, how about you? What's your history with Jason and his pals? <laughs> so I... That's the official title of the franchise, by the way. Yeah, Jason. Jason and Pat. Jason's road trip. Um, Friday thirteenth. <laughs> I can't remember seeing the first one in cinema, which I think suggests that I probably didn't. I think I probably saw it on VHS or DVD. Sure. It's shortly it's, after. It's it came. that era in the early two thousands where it's that VHS DVD crossover. We we touched upon in yeah. the Pitch Black episode. We talked a lot in the Matrix episode as well. That like late nineties, early two thousands. Everything's coming out on DVD, and we're all excited to watch stuff at home. Statistically, everybody in the country owns a copy of the Bourne Ultimatum on DVD because I'm pretty sure a lot of newspapers gave it away a couple of years later. Oh wow! <laughs> I actually saw Bourne Supremacy in the cinema when it came out. Interesting. Um, and I can remember, I I really enjoyed Identity. I thought it was really really great. Um, and then Supremacy came along, and everyone was very enamoured of it. And I wasn't as keen. I found the shaky cam very disorienting. Um, even though I think it's done better in these films than it is in, say, Taken, for example. Mm. And I think Paul Greengrass has a sense of doing establishing shots to help you get a grasp of the geography that are more locked down. Um, and then you have the shaky to kind of like, okay, now you know where you are. Now you get shaken around to to give you the kind of um, the feel of what what it must be like in that situation. But I still find that type of action a little bit overwhelming, especially in a cinema. And I can remember coming out of seeing the Bourne Supremacy in the cinema and just being like, feel a little bit seasick uh, from the whole. <laughs> Do you typically get travel sick, Tim? I used to as a kid. I don't anymore. Um, you weren't alone. A lot of people so, do complain about motion yeah, sickness. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I didn't see Ultimatum in the cinema, and in fact, I watched it for the first time for this uh, for this show. Which oh, is interesting. Um, That's very interesting. Yeah, which I'd I'd heard great things about it, and but it just never was high enough up the list for me to to check it out. Weirdly enough, I saw Born Legacy before I saw Ultimatum. Oh, wow. I saw that a few years back. I think probably when it was on Netflix or something, and I was just like, I am in the mood for one standard length of action film please whoops <laughs> uh and i will get into this i don't think it's terrible um i think it's subpar sure and i think it's worse than the existing and born I, I, trilogy I, I, we'll get into this obviously because it's it's the film we're fixing but yeah the biggest problem is it's called the born legacy yes. if it's just a bog standard fucking jeremy renner hop runs about shooting mm. guns who cares? But the fact that you put yeah. that B word in there, it mm. has the word born and Jason Bourne is not in this fucking movie is a huge problem. But, but I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, I think overall I like I like the I really I still really like and I I, I rewatched the ones that I had seen and watched, you know, uh the ones I hadn't for for this and 
I still really like the Born Identity. I think it's really good. I think it captures a really interesting moment uh, in kind of action cinema. I like Supremacy and Ultimatum, I think, less than most people do. And I probably like Legacy a little more interesting. than certainly certainly Jack does. Yeah, that, that, um, certainly my opinions but, are pretty strong in the other way, I think. <laughs> yeah. But I would definitely say like it is a step down after those two. And and the Bourne name does not need to be on it. It does not live up to the the promise of that franchise. Uh and then I still haven't seen Jason Bourne. I have Don't watched bother. clips of it and yeah, it looked bad. Do you want to watch Matt Damon do <laughs> uh, some bare knuckle boxing for no fucking reason? Watch that movie. Really badly right. lit sets yeah. that are supposed to be like Bali in India. Watch that movie. <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, bother. I watched. I watched some of the clips and everything was just orange. Co- and correct. I think it was meant to be in Berlin. Yes. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. So that's that's my history with the franchise, Matt. How about you? I saw them all at the cinema. Next question. I would say my history with it is comprehensive. Um, <laughs> what does that mean? It means you saw them all in the cinema. It means I saw them all in the cinema. <laughs> Bang. Now and I read there. the book. Oh. Ooh, well, how now, many of the books? To clarify, the Ludlum books, the trilogy. So um, yes, this is a very interesting thing. The first yes. three, Identity, Supremacy, and Ultimatum, are based on books of the same name written yep. by the original author, Robert Ludlum. However, they are loosely adapted and there are a lot of differences between... Very true. A They're, lot of differences between uh, the books and the yeah. films. They, they, they divert almost after the first 10 minutes of where the film kicks off. Uh, and then it's very yeah. different after that. The whole, the whole thing is different. Um, I've also seen the Richard Chamberlain TV special. Mm. Um, I've not seen which that. Which is fine for what it is for the 80s. I think it's very functional. And I remember reading in the book that there's a whole thing when he goes to Switzerland, uh, so it's to the to the to the to the bank, and the thing they're signing off on is the idea that oh, um, the reason we go with the signature is that when even if you fake a signature, there's the, the you don't have the same signature twice. It changes and they talk about the pattern of your hands and things. It's like oh, it's very interesting and it's it's spy stuff basically. It's schlocky airport spy stuff, but it's relatively well written and things. So it's a functional book, but it's very different from what we got. And Marie is a very different character, and she's in all mm-hmm. three of the books. Um, yeah, she doesn't we'll die. Well. Spoiler, again, big spoilers. Precise. We're going to synopsize them in a second. Of she course. doesn't die <laughs> as quickly as she does yeah. in the films. So my experience is I knew a lot of stuff going in, and then I saw the films, and this is where it becomes slightly important, because we'll come back to this later in great detail. Um, I don't think I appreciated until recently how, I, this maybe sound like hyperbole, how important these films are to me and to cinema. Wow. Um, I'm, I will back that up with evidence uh, later. But basically, The Born Identity, um, much like Tim, I fucking really like that movie. I will go so far as to say, I love that movie. I will watch wow. it and be happy no matter what. The Born Supremacy Ultimatum, I enjoy them greatly. I think they're very solid, well-made films. Very different. Everyone bangs on about Paul Greengrass. Not enough love for Doug Lyman. That man shaped that shit, but we'll come back to that. We mentioned him earlier yeah. in the ep- in the season. Yeah, Doug Born Lyman Legacy as a filmmaker frustrates me, and I'll explain why later. And Jason Bourne is equally frustrating for different reasons. So a similar kind of thing, and I saw all of them in the cinema, and I in 2002 when Bourne Identity came out, I was 16, and Born Supremacy, I was 18. And it's it's that sort of perfect age to go, oh my God. I'm seeing something important and then thinking to yourself, no, you're a fucking kid experiencing like films. Don't be stupid. And then realizing, <laughs> no, 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 no. 
this is going to be a thing. Um, mm. And 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 then getting frustrated by some like in a hipster kind of way when Bourne else makes was like, oh my god, have you seen the Bourne? I was like, of course I have. I've been here since day one, you piece of shit. Um, <laughs> you know, like Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones fans are like, uh, have you read the books? So Marillion, you piece of shit. Exactly. Yeah. No, not to that degree, but it's more the idea of like saying I've been trying to get people into this thing, saying, oh, Matt Damon, the guy from Goodwill Hunting. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. So we should probably talk about these movies in terms of what actually happens because there is a lot to cover here. Yeah. Uh, my duty to synopses these ones, synopsize, if you will, if that is the verb. And they're dense as fuck. It's spy thriller stuff, so a lot of stuff happens. There's lots of revelations and people dying and twists and turns That's and all, all this important. kind of bollocks. So it's going to be a long synopsis, I'm afraid, listeners. So, since there's four films as well, we have decided to split it between the three of us. I know I'm chickening out. I know Tim has done three films multiple times <laughs> this season. I do feel a bit bad about it. But they're like five to six hundred words each, and there's four of the fuckers. So <laughs> it's a whole other pitch just reading these things. So we're going to take it in turns. I'll do identity, and then Matt, you can do supremacy. Tim, you can do ultimatum, sure. and then I'll come back around to me, and we will talk about legacy, and then we will break down legacy, because that film needs breaking down as we said. So, if, dear listeners, you haven't seen or need a bit of a refreshment, you just haven't seen them in a little while, let's get stuck into the synopses, shall we? Starting off with 2002, as you mentioned, directed by Tim's Choice. There's the tie back to the previous episode. Tim's Choice of Director for Starship Troopers, Doug Lyman. There's actually a couple of connections Mm. to the Starship Troopers pitch. There's there's a little tease. 2002's Born identity in the mediterranean sea italian fishermen rescue an american adrift with two gunshot wounds in his back they tend to his wounds and find he has no memory of his identity huh identity i haven't put puns in every time that don't worry i saw your face bump you fucking better not (laughs) this this film truly is the ultimate (laughs) (laughs) Um, he had a sense of superiority and yeah. supremacy, <laughs> should we say? It's like, fuck off. Exactly. Um, so he has no memory of his identity, but retains his speech, advanced combat skills, and fluency in several languages. They find a laser projector, weird thing, under the man's hip. I was like, what? Oh, I, I remember it being like a tattoo. I assumed it was like a tattoo. I remember, oh, he's got a thing on his body. It's like, oh, it must be a tattoo or something. It's like... That's nope. a weird little, weird little device. That's not cool enough, Jack. That, that's it. It... it yeah, it's not cool enough. It's like, you know, those like projector clocks you get. It's one of those things. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's got um, Tracy Island on it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And that laser projector has the number of a safety deposit box in a bank in Zurich. Because, of course, it does. Upon landing in Europe, the American makes his way to the bank in Switzerland and finds the box contains money of various currencies, multiple passports, and identity cards, identity, with his picture on them, and a handgun. He takes everything, leaves the handgun, and uses the name on the American passport. Cue title scene. Jason Bourne. Just so we know, the book has already diverged massively from this point. Yep. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) The boat stuff? Pretty much it. Everything else? Nope. (laughs) After Bourne's departure, a bank employee contacts the CIA. The operation leader, Conklin, who will be coming up quite a lot, issues alerts to police to capture Bourne and activates three agents to hunt him down. With the quote from you, Matt, earlier. Activate everyone. My God, I get him. That's it. Get old Conklin. 
CIA director, uh, sorry, CIA deputy director Abbott, played by the wonderful Brian Cox, contacts Conklin about a failed assassination attempt against exiled African dictator Wombosi. Conklin promises Abbott that he will deal with the agent who failed the mission. Bourne tries evading the Swiss police by entering the American embassy, but is pursued. He escapes, offering a woman he saw in the bank, Marie, again, who will come up a lot later, $20,000 to drive him to a dress in Paris listed on his French driving license. Yes, I told you this was dense and convoluted, but it's good, trust me. At the apartment in Paris, he hits redial on the phone and asks about names on his passports at a hotel, learning that one of his aliases, John Michael Caine, was registered but died two weeks ago. One of the assassins catches up with them, but Bourne fights them off. Instead of allowing himself to be interrogated, he throws himself out of a window and falls to his death on the pavement. Marie starts to freak out a bit, but they're able to avoid the police in Marie's car, and the two spend a sexy night in a Paris hotel. Following a very good car chase where he's driving a Mini. Yes, yeah, there's Mm -hmm. some really good car chases in these films. Conklin has planted a body under the name John Michael Caine in a Parisian morgue, but Wombosi is not fooled and threatens to report CIA secrets to the media. One of the agents, a sniper, where well, I mentioned earlier, it turns out it's called The Professor. I didn't know that at the time of writing this. Assassinates Wombosi on Conklin's orders. Bourne poses as Kane, learns about Wombosi's yacht and the assailant he shot twice in the back during the failed attempt. So as he tries to escape, he gets shot by one of the bodyguards twice and falls into the sea. Bourne and Marie take refuge in a countryside home of Marie's friend Eamon weird part of the film still don't quite understand she's like yeah just go and hang out with my mate and his kid okay sure uh, europe in it <laughs> yeah exactly that's exactly it conklin tracks him down and sends the sniper again the professor played by a very young clive owen but Bourne fights him off eventually mortally wounding him the sniper reveals the shared connection to operation treadstone before dying he delivers a famous line of look what they made us give and this, look at us he does the paul rudd thing look at us look at us would you believe it? I wouldn't I, believe it. I get such terrible headaches. Yeah. You get them too. <sighs> yeah. Really great scene. I, I think Clive it's good. Is, it's good he, stuff. He though. says like five words, but they're like some of the most important five yeah. words in the entire series. <laughs> uh, Bourne sends Marie and Eamon's family away and then contacts Conklin via the sniper's phone. Conklin agrees to meet Bourne alone in Paris, but when Bourne sees Conklin does not come alone, he abandons the meeting but places a tracking device on one of Conklin's vehicles. Bourne tracks Conklin to a safe house and breaks in, holding Conklin and Nikki, played by Julia Stiles. Again, she will come up later, remember that name, Nikki Parsons, a communications officer at gunpoint. Conklin reveals to Bourne his association with Treadstone, the project that created Jason Bourne, and presses him to remember his past. Bourne recalls his attempt to assassinate Wombosi through the flashbacks and realises he was unable to kill Wombosi while his children were present and instead fled, being shot during the escape, expanding on the flashbacks we had earlier. Bourne announces he's resigning from Treadstone and warns Conklin not to follow him. More agents descend on the safe house and Bourne fights his way out. Cool fight scene on the stairs and stuff, which has influenced many other fight scenes on the stairs <laughs> in, in various different mm-hmm. things. and uh, Some Marvel some, some stuff. Some ever so slightly... And... Sorry, yeah, on. slightly ropey special effects Falling where he down a hole. <laughs> falls down the stairwell oh, yeah. using the person's with the, body. With the body, a... yeah, with the corpse. Yeah, yeah, that's a bit dodgy. It was 20 years ago, Tim. We'll be fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, Bourne fights his way out, but when Conklin leaves the safe house, he, he encounters the third activated agent who kills Conklin under Abbott's orders. Turns out CIA! Brian Cox is the big bad guy. Abbott then shuts down the Treadstone program as a whole. Finally, Abbott reports to an oversight committee that Treadstone is decommissioned before discussion turns to a new project codenamed Blackbriar. 
And finally, for some reason, in a really weird scene at the end, Bourne tracks down Marie. I think it's Mykonos, I read, apparently. Sure, sure. It's a Greek island. Some Greek island, she's, yeah. She's renting out scooters on a Greek island, and he just goes, how much for the scooters? And then they hug. What a weird... And then, and then Moby plays, because, as you'll learn, listeners, <laughs> Extreme Ways by Moby plays at the end of every one of these films for some reason. It, yeah. it works in some of them, it doesn't work in others. Yep. Anyway, over to you, Matt. <laughs> Born Supremacy. Two years later, Born is a big hit. People want more. Paul Greengrass is in now. Yeah, no more Doug Lyman. We've got Paul Greengrass. Yep. Two years after their disappearance, Jason and Marie are living in India. Jason is still having flashbacks and recording his slowly forming memories in a notebook. A dream journal, if you will. Again, that'll be important. That'll come up later. It will. In Berlin, a CIA agent working for Deputy Director Pamela Landy is paying $3 million to an unnamed Russian source for the Nesky files. The deal is interrupted by Kirill, an agent from Russia, played by your boy Carl Urban. My boy Carl Urban. Who works for oligarch Yuri Gretkov. Kirill plants two explosive devices on the building's electrical circuit. One takes out the power to the building, the other one doesn't go off, but has Bourne's fingerprints on it to frame dun, him. Dun, dun. Kirill kills the agent and the source and steals the files and the money. Gretkov sends Kirill to India to kill Bourne. However, Bourne spots him and flees with Marie. Kirill follows in a car chase and accidentally car chase. It is a great car chase. Yeah. And they at one point uh, he's like ready to barrel out and try and things. He says, switch seats. So they do. Yep. yep. At which point Kirill accidentally kills Marie instead of Bourne. Uh, Bourne then travels to Naples. There's a lot of traveling in these There's movies. There's a lot of shit going on. Mm. The road movies. Be like, and then Bourne just goes to Italy. Like, oh, okay, cool. These movies always <laughs> bounce around. And, and Kirill thinks he's killed Bourne. He does. Yes, yes. He, yeah. he does his job argued properly. He, isn't, he didn't see the switch over in the seat. He killed the driver who was previously seen as Bourne. The car goes under. No one comes up. Done. He's, Carl Urban doesn't miss. It's just a fact. Yep, he did it. After finding Bourne's fingerprint, Landy asks Ward Abbott about Operation Treadstone. She tells Abbott that the CIA agent who stole $20 million was named in the Nesky files. Some years previously, Russian politician Vladimir Nesky was about to identify the thief when he was killed by his wife in a suspected murder-suicide in Berlin. However, Landy believes that Bourne killed the Neskys. Both Abbott and Landy go to Berlin to capture Bourne. In Naples, Bourne's allows himself... They go to Berlin to capture Bourne. In Naples, Jason Bourne does think that. Because <laughs> obviously Bourne doesn't know where everyone is, so he's just yep. literally doing the thing he can, which is to get caught. In Naples, Bourne allows himself to be identified by security. He has all these various passports and things, but he's like, nope, you're going to go through and actively knows the, the CIA. He knows what will happen. Yep. He subdues the CIA interrogator and copies the SIM card from his telephone. That, that's a great scene when they're on the phone. It is a good scene. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. From the subsequent phone call, he learns about Landy and the events in Berlin. Say, oh, Bourne was there and he killed someone. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, I'm on a revenge quest now. Bourne goes to Munich to visit Yada, the other remaining Treadstone agent. Yada informs Bourne that Treadstone was shut down and he attacks him. Bourne beats him in a grueling fight before destroying his home in a gas explosion. That is an intense fucking fight scene. For these first three films... Everything is intense. The, the fight scenes are, yes. are good and action yep. heavy. The <laughs> chases are intense and just really thrilling and gripping. And the um, general pace of all, like the, the pursuit stuff is just very tense and, and, and just engrossing entirely. This will trail off eventually. This fight in particular has uh, man with knife versus Jason Bourne with magazine. Yeah. Yes. 
oh when he, yeah he hits it with the magazine it's so good like yeah you know, I've, I've killed spiders and flies with magazines like i guess that would really hurt wouldn't it <laughs> so i said born you know beats him in the grueling fight but it destroys his home in a gas explosion born follows landy and abbott as they meet former treadstone technician nikki nikki's back she's back believing the cia is hunting him again born calls landy from a nearby roof he demands a meet up with nikki alone in public um, this is the, the trailer line of she's standing right beside you. Oh, um, she's standing right beside you. Yeah. Born kidnaps Nikki in Alexanderplatz and learns from her that Abbott was the head of Treadstone. Born spares Nikki after she reveals she knows nothing about the mission itself. Born then visits the hotel where the killing took place and recalls more of his mission. He sort of walks around a similar looking room and it sort of comes back to him because of the familiarity of it all. Um, he killed Nesky and his wife, making it look like a murder suicide. Conklin's former assistant Zorn finds inconsistencies with the report of Bourne's involvement and explains his theory to Abbott about Bourne's fingerprints being planted. So Abbott kills Zorn to cover it up. Just stabs him and stabs, stabs, stabs him stabs, in stabs, the basement. Mm. That's all. Not at all related to the Zorn from the X-Men comics. <laughs> because Unfortunately if he, not. If he did that, his, his star-powered head would then explode. <laughs> Bourne breaks into Abbott's hotel room and records a conversation between him and Gretkov that incriminates them in the theft of the $20 million. Abbott admits to Bourne that he stole the money, authorized him to kill Nesky, ordered Kirill to retrieve the files, and had Bourne framed. He's um, the bad guy, if you haven't already worked that out. <laughs> yeah. He just confesses to literally all the terrible stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Shock. Brian Cox. <laughs> Who used to play Hannibal Lecter. It's, it's the old man sort of like, I'm tired and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Abbott expects Bourne to kill him, but Bourne refuses, believing Marie wouldn't want him to kill Abbott. She wouldn't want me to do it. Yeah. I mean, she might. Bourne leaves (laughs) his gun on the table. After Bourne leaves, Landy confronts Abbott about her suspicions, and he commits suicide in front of her. Uh, Landy returns to her hotel room, finding a tape of Abbott's conversations with Gretkov and Bourne. All very neat-ish. Yeah. Bourne travels to Moscow to find Nesky's daughter. Get a bit of closure. Kirill, tasked once again with killing Bourne, finds and wounds him. Bourne flees and a car chase ensues. Good Another chase. great car chase. <laughs> Ending when Kirill's vehicle crashes into a concrete divider. Bourne walks away. Kirill is dead. Gretkov's arrested. Bourne finally finds Irina and confesses to murdering her parents, apologizing to her as he leaves. Real um, war- weird, awkward scene. Yeah, it's, it's one of those great moments of like, I'm getting closure for me. I don't think this is going to help you at all. In fact, it's yeah. really threatening and terrifying. You must be yeah. just as scarring. Yep. But you know what? I did the right thing. It's like, no, I don't think you did. Mm. Lastly, in New York, in a scene we think is the end of the movie, but is actually mm-hmm. the middle of the next movie. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's so confusing. Bourne calls Landy. She thanks him for the tape, reveals to him that his real name is David Webb. Which is dull. It's a fucking yep. spreadsheet analyst from York. Yep. And date of birth and asks to meet him. Bourne says, get some rest, Pam. You look tired. And it's like, oh, he's out the window again. <laughs> fucking Moby. <laughs> fucking Moby comes in. But again, because it's so thrilling, like, oh, he's, uh, he's done it again. The Moby thing is again, like, ah, oh, I love it. So, so far, we're still enjoying the Moby. <laughs> yeah. And it should be said, like, that Moby song slaps. It's song. Like, it's not, yeah. it's not him just stealing black spiritual music and putting a beat <laughs> under it yeah. like he far, did but... for most of the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, he's, he's actually putting in some mm. effort uh, and it works really well. And I think it's kind of the, one of the most iconic things about these films. Like if you, go to the, space, yeah. if you go to the YouTube video for 
extreme ways which is the the moby song it's just full of the comments are just full of people going like i put this on when i want to feel like jason Bourne." <laughs> well, no, surely you have to do something first and just play the sting at the end and then the just end. you're going away the cool thing and then go wee wee like, oh yeah now i feel cool all right let's let's round this trilogy off yeah okay the, the film ultimatum. that's in the middle of the second film but also is the third film yep yeah they love it they love doing that because that's what legacy does as well Dude, except it doesn't work it we'll get to that born ultimatum 2007 i believe it is indeed following his pursuit by kirill jason Bourne evades moscow police while wounded through a train station and deals with even more flashbacks of when he first joined operation Treadstone. there we go we're back in the middle of the second film for some reason but yep yep Little little bit of a chase to start us off with. Almost almost like a bond opening. A cold open, please. A cold open. In medias res. In a cold Moscow. A few weeks later, CIA Deputy Director Pamela Landy reveals the audio-taped confession of Ward Abbott to Director Ezra Kramer. Meanwhile, in Turin, journalist Simon Ross of The Guardian... An actual newspaper, which it's is really, really weird, weird for them to do that. Yeah, when it scrolls yeah. over to his name, and it's played by Paddy Constantine, by the way. Scrolls over, it's a little yeah. picture of Paddy Constantine. I'm like, oh, it's like the Guardian. And then a camera pans over, yeah. and he's the Guardian. What a weird choice. Yeah. yeah. It also makes complete sense because that's the kind of thing that would do this kind of expose on the fucking CIA. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it does. It, it, it's complete. It's it, weird because it's yeah, correct. It's just all, yeah. It's, it's weird because it's so realistic. Um, so, Simon Ross of The Guardian meets an informant to learn about Bourne and Operation Blackbriar, the programme succeeding Treadstone. The CIA tracks Ross as he returns to London after his mention of Blackbriar during a phone call is detected by their surveillance systems. Fucking Prism and the NSA doing their shit. Because, mm. uh, what's his name? Edward, Snowden. Edward Snowden hasn't come along yet. Who did he report to with? The Guardian. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Bourne reappears in Paris to inform Martin Krutz, Marie's brother, of her death in India. Uh, played by future Baron Zemo, Daniel Brühl. Yeah. Get us a good German. Brühl it is. No one in my time. <laughs> Bourne reads Ross's articles and arranges a meeting with him at London Waterloo Station. Bourne realises the CIA is following Ross and helps him evade capture for a while, but when he panics and ignores Bourne's instructions, Ross is shot and killed by a Black Briar assassin. Mm. Very good sequence. The best sequence really in the good. film, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah. 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 Kind of the kind of the peak of the film. Ooh. Kind of goes. I would say it goes downhill from there, but it certainly doesn't rise to that moment. Again. Sure. Deputy Director Vosen's team, reluctantly assisted by Landy, analyze Ross's notes and identify his source as Neil Daniels, a CIA station chief involved with Treadstone. And black Neil, whose name is spelled N E A L and N I E L and E N E I L, depending on what two, part of the film you're in. Different ways in the in the same film. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. fucking annoying. Bourne makes his way to Daniel's office in Madrid, but finds it empty. He is ambushed by assassins, and after they're defeated, Nicky arrives, fakes a call to Vosen, and tells Bourne that Daniel's has left to Tangier, to, and helps Bourne escape. Nicky learns that Brack, but the. Nikki learns that Blackbriar assassin Desh Buksani, first time one of them other than Bourne has got a surname, I think, mm, uh, yep. has been tasked with just, killing They just Daniels. call him Desh, but you see the his professor. file where it has his surname for some reason. Yeah. Yes. They're all called The Professor and other weird names. And it's like, yeah, Buksani. Yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Vosen sees that Nikki accessed information about Daniels and sends Buksani after Nikki and Bourne as well, a decision which Landy vehemently disapproves of. 
Bourne follows Buxani to Daniel's, but fails to prevent Daniel's death by scooter bomb. <laughs> one, of them, is. one of them Classic. devastating it's scooter good. bombs. Yep. Yep. Deadly scooter bomb. <laughs> Thanks to Casino Royale style parkour, Bourne manages to kill Desh before he can kill Nikki. Some great shots of Bourne leaping through windows and shit. Yep. yep. Off, off of buildings into windows, blah, blah, blah. Bourne opens up to Nikki and then sends Nikki into hiding via the old cut your hair and dye it black trick there that we works go. for Marie. <laughs> The same thing. Yeah. So. Uh, which was done very deliberately. Um, like Paul Greengrass was like, it, it's a lot of George Lucas style rhyming, rhyming in the third film where it's mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that mirrors earlier things that happened because it was meant yep. to cap off a trilogy and not have any future yeah. films. Although I do, I do, I, just to chime in there, I, I, I hate that Bourne's plan is always cut your hair short and uh, dye it black. I mean, uh, I won't change my fucking look and they're the one I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, also, you're going to get killed in the exact same way Throw every time. Grow a beard, shave your hair, do something, yeah. Jason, you idiot. Yeah. Bourne examines the contents of Daniel's briefcase and finds the address of the deep cover CIA bureau in New York City where Vosen directs Blackbriar. The final scene from Supremacy replays again as Landy receives a phone call from Bourne. When Landy tells him that his real name is David Webb and gives him the birth date 4-15-71, Bourne tells Landy to get some rest and they realise he must be nearby. Vosen, 17, as we said. Yep. Vosen intercepts the text to Landy from Bourne of a, uh, of a location to meet up and leaves his office with a tactical team. Bourne, however, waits for them to all leave, enters Vosen's office mm. and takes classified Blackbriar documents. It's a great line of like, Oh, you? where are you now? I'm in my office. Really? If you were in your office, we'd be having this conversation face to face. Which is so ballsy. Yeah. And, and everyone like that's like, oh, it's so good. But also at the same time, it's like, dude, why, why, why are you making this harder for yourself? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I'm like 300 yards away from you are right now. I'm like, oh, just turn around then. We'll be there in like two seconds. Oh, shit. Yes. <laughs> I didn't think about that. And all the security is still in the building. <laughs> we then yeah. get a resulting car chase. Uh, after Vosen realizes he's been tricked and sends Paz, uh, the uh, um, another assassin, after Bourne, um, we get a another um, car chase, uh, and both Paz and Bourne's vehicles crash into a concrete concrete barrier. Uh, Bourne holds the injured Paz at gunpoint but spares his life. Could have spared all of that by not just revealing that he was in. Nope. Uh, yep. That's what I'm doing, mate. Vosen's Correct. office. Yep. But oh well. Oh wow! You're in your office. Have fun. Yeah, that's the Hangs CIA. You, <laughs> you do know you do know this phone calls other people as well. Right? <laughs> it's not just a walkie-talkie. Yeah. Bourne arrives at 415 East 71st Street, having figured out Landy's coded message. Uh, it wasn't really his birth date. Uh. Coded message, yeah. Outside, Bourne meets Landy and gives her the Blackbriar files before going inside. Vosen also figures out Landy's code and warns Dr. Albert Hirsch, who ran Treadstone's behavior modification programs, uh, warns him that Bourne is coming. He follows Landy inside the building, but it's too late to stop her from faxing the Blackbriar documents out. Meanwhile, Fucking on an upper faxes floor... it in 2007. Christ. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, on an upper floor, Hirsch is confronted by Bourne, who now remembers that he volunteered for Treadstone. As Bourne flees to the roof, he is confronted by Paz, who asks, why didn't you take the shot? Bourne asks Paz if he knows why he's supposed to kill him, repeats the dying words of the sniper from the Bourne identity, aka the Professor, 
Look at us. Look at what they make you give. Paz lowers his gun. Look at us too. But Would you believe it? I can't believe it. Just look at us. Oh my god. Look at us. Here we are, eating hot wings on a roof. <laughs> I wish. Paz lowers his gun, but Vosen appears and shoots at Bourne as he jumps into the East River. It's a real weird shot where um, Vosen is very clearly not on that rooftop, and it's just a completely <laughs> separate shot of him going ba bang with the gun and like, yep. oh, there's another bloke here apparently. Is he just stood in an office somewhere? And they were like, pretend he's outside at night. He'll be fine. Like, we should say that Vosen was, is uh, David Strathan, who was the other connection to my uh, Starship Troopers pitch. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah. Uh, so three days later, Nikki watches a news broadcast about the exposure of Operation Blackbriar, the arrests of Hirsch and Vosen, a criminal investigation against Kramer and the status of David Webb. Upon hearing that his body has not been found after a three-day search of the river, Nikki smiles, calling back to the opening of identity. Bourne is shown swimming away in the East River. Moby, Moby, and again, press the Moby button. It's a little bit like, eh, but you think, oh, it ended. The story's over. I, I'll give you them the final Moby. That's that's it. Rounded off nicely. No more Moby from here. Six weeks after. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Bourne legacy, everybody. Oh, Jesus Christ. Reasons unknown. Six weeks after Jason Bourne's escape from Moscow in Bourne Supremacy. Yes, I mean Bourne Supremacy, because we're going back to the middle of the second film again, because reasons. The, the middle of the second film slash the beginning of the third film. Correct, yes. Mm -hmm. Is also the beginning of the fourth film. Mm -hmm. Yep. Kramer is worrying about the consequences of Bourne's escape. Colonel Rick Byer, played by the ever-wonderful Edward Norton, is working to contain the leak of information about Treadstone and Blackbriar, shown by replaying many of the scenes from Supremacy because they <laughs> fucking love doing this. Fucking flashbacks like, oh, really? Did this thing happen? Yep. It, it is a fucking clip flashback, show. Flashback, flashback, flashback. It is a clip show. Meanwhile, for some reason, a man is tracking through Alaska, forced to survive weather extremes and traverse rugged terrain to arrive at a remote cabin. That was a, a sentence and a half about 20 minutes <laughs> wolves and shit him just wandering around and being like oh no wolves and they'll be like get away wolves i've got fire look at me with my, <laughs> my coat look at me do a big guns. mountain jump a big mountain jump exactly i it opens and i was like oh my god are they doing a metal gear solid reference with him like swimming in and stuff and like, this is really <laughs> they're not they're not at all no. not at all i thought it was really clever it's not the cabin is operated by an exiled outcome operative, which is another program that has just popped up out of fucking nowhere. CIA, and they discuss the protocols and chems. Chems! We'll get to that in a... <laughs> As an outcome operative, Cross, which is the man trekking across Alaska, uses pills called chems, chems, which enhance his physical and mental abilities. And I've literally written here, yes, this is more limitless than Bourne. I don't know why this is a Bourne pill. <laughs> This is a this is a bad sequel to Limitless, not a bad sequel to Born. This this franchise we haven't talked about this as much, but the the idea of who it attracts. Did you mention who the fucking outcome operative is played by? We got Jeremy fucking Renner as the central Aaron Cross and the exiled operative, I believe called Number Three, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, outcome Three, yeah. Is Oscar Isaac. I feel like he should have been the lead. Really? Really? You think he's better than Jeremy Renner? Where did you get that idea from? Oh, their entire <laughs> careers. Yes, I see. The Sorry. last 30 years of acting. Karen with the chems. I mean, the story. Yeah. Byer is tasked with containing the fallout from the exposure of the Treadstone and Blackbriar programs. 
He discovers a potentially scandalous video on the internet showing a meeting between Treadstone and the outcome medical directors. It all ties together, honest. Hirsch and a guy called Hillcott. They clumsily continue to intersperse clips from the previous film to include Bayer in the CI operations loop. <laughs> they literally have a guy walk off the set of Ultimatum uh, to give a phone call to Edward Norton in a slightly different office that is like never shown in Ultimatum. You're like, yep, that room wasn't there before. It's like, yeah, yeah, hold on. Let me just call my friend uh, Rick Bayer. Like, wait, what? You walked off set for like two seconds on a, on a scene in a different film to go and make, oh. God. And again, if you film that at the time, that could be really rewarding. But if you don't... They fucking didn't, though, did no. they? <laughs> they very clearly fucking didn't. This is five years later. Yeah. With a completely different team. Uh, anyway. Uh, to prevent the Senate investigators from learning about outcome, Bayer orders everyone associated with the program to be killed. And here we introduce the real bad guy of the film. A drone. <laughs> <laughs> Because apparently that's a thing. Bayer deploys a drone. It's like literally predator drone. It's one of those like little plane yeah, helicopter UAV things. Yeah. UAV type things, yeah. To eliminate Cross and number three, as we mentioned earlier, the Oscar Isaac exiled outcome operative in Alaska. Number three is blown to shit just out of nowhere. Uh, while Cross manages to escape the drone and force feeds like an RFID tag to a wolf, which is then blown up by a missile. It's like... What is this movie? He manages to stop it from working by duct taping like a pie tin around his leg at one point. Like, yep. That feels like the technology would be better than that. Tin foil and a pie <laughs> tin until he wants to reveal it. And rather than like chucking it in a river and like thing, he has to decide, I'm going to capture a wolf, punch the wolf, force feed the wolf my tracker, then the wolf can get out of here you know. by maybe a meter. You, you could have just chucked it further. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you literally could have just thrown it and you'd have been fine. Um, which are then blown up by another missile fired by the drone, tricking Bayer into believing Cross is dead. At a biogenetics company, yes, we're going into labs for this film for some reason, so, which supports outcome and produces the chems. Chems! chems! Researcher Dr. Foyt yep, shoots and kills all of his colleagues and then turns the gun on himself, leaving only one survivor, biochemist Dr. Marta Shearing, played by Rachel Weiss, as the sole survivor. Other outcome agents are eliminated when their handlers are given them poisoned yellow pills disguised as new chems. Chems! Chems. Chems! I fucking hate that phrase. Four assassins disguised as federal agents visit Shearing at her country house. When she states her belief of Foyt having been chemically brainwashed into becoming an emotionless killer, sound familiar, the assassins attempt mm. to fake her suicide, but she is saved, for some reason, out of nowhere, by Cross. I don't know how he knows... Uh, out of a cupboard. Yes, he cupboard. explodes out of a cupboard <laughs> for some reason. Shearing reveals that Cross has been genetically modified by a tailored virus. Yes, I'm not making this up. Sounds like I'm making this up. To retain the physical benefits permanently without needing his green chems anymore. Chems! But he still requires regular doses of the blue chems. So he takes chems! One, one green chems! one blue. To maintain his intelligence, but he's running out. And this is where I got like, wait, what? Cross confides to her that he is Private First Class Kenneth J. Kitsum. I'm like, right. I don't care, but okay. Reportedly killed by an IED in the Iraq War. I'm like, also don't care. Sure, cool. Hurt Locker. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was in Hurt Locker. And, and that his recruiter added 12 points to his IQ score as a favour, enabling him to get into the US Army requirements. So basically, 
he's scared of being dumb. That is the, his. In, it's that it's is, flowers for born. That is his entire motivation <laughs> for this film is, I don't want to be like, I, I don't know how to put this like politely, but like mentally handicapped. I guess like. I, I, Jeremy Renner's worried about people thinking he's stupid. Yeah, yeah, and that's his entire. He's he's so. We'll talk about this in a sec, but God, Aaron Cross is so fucking selfish. He's such a dick to everyone. He's like, give me my fucking drugs. I don't want to be stupid. It's like, right, but, but you're basically Captain America, right? It's like, but I might be stupid in two weeks. It's like, stop <laughs> killing people for drugs, you absolute maniac. You're not a weeks. you're not a good person. <laughs> Just go oh, Hawkeye, help me! Seriously, yeah, it's mental. Oh fuck me! Literally, it's mental. Uh, with his enhanced intelligence, Cross believes they stand without. Sorry, without his enhanced intelligence, Cross believes they stand no chance of survival. That's how he justifies it to himself. He's like, I've got to stay smart to avoid the drones. <laughs> like what? <laughs> no, I can hear them. <laughs> I, I actually, I like, I don't hate oh, that as a character on, motivation. It's, it's. It's something more. It's something different from Bourne, but they just they don't execute it well at all. And and like, um, fucking Renner is not able to sell the He's idea. Such of like, an asshole. We'll we'll get into this because we're still we're still in the synopsis yeah. stage. Sorry, listeners. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot to cover. Cross and Shearing travel to Manila, where the chems are manufactured, and try chems! to chems and try to infect him with another virus that will make his intelligence permanent. Because this film is so fucking convoluted. Cross and Shearing bluff their way into the pharmaceutical factory, and Shearing injects Cross with live virus stems. Stems, not stems. <laughs> Bayer alerts factory security, but they evade capture, and Bayer then orders Larks Three, which is a weird name, and another sure. program called Larks. Uh, alongside Outcome and Treadstone and Blackbriar and a Emerald Lake and a bunch of other ones, a chemically brainwashed super soldier to track and kill them. As Cross is struck by flu-like symptoms induced by the virus, he hallucinates about his Outcome training. Just a bit of Jason Bourne flashbacks, I guess, induced by mm. flu. When police surround their shelter, Shearing returns from buying medicine and sees the police closing in on them. She screams a warning to Cross, who then evades the police and subsequently intervenes in her capture by the police and they steal a motorbike. This all happens in like a minute. After yep. a chase through the streets and the marketplaces of Manila, they lose the police and Cross manages to kill Larks 3. Shearing persuades a Filipino boatman, which I was making this up, to help them escape by sea. Yeah, it just kind and of It's ends. just like, cool, we're on a boat now, see you later. Wee! Yeah. Wee! Oh, wee! Moby! Yeah. Uh, back in New York, because every film ends with back in New York, Blackbriar supervisor Noah Vosen lies to the Senate, stating that Blackbriar was created solely to track down Jason Bourne and that Deputy Director Pam Landy committed treason by assisting Bourne and trying to sell Treadstone secrets to the press. Deep breath. If you caught up with all of that and you've never seen these films, <laughs> congratulations. If you've watched all of these movies and you're like, shit, there was a lot I've forgotten it exactly. Yes. But yeah. the just from that description alone the first three films are about the cia is dastardly and wheels within wheels and you think you're working for one guy you're working for another guy but they're all embezzling things at top because they can't be trusted and you know they're trying to do it with the the, the ground foot soldiers and cover up what they've done that's the that's the three films easy done that's all it is and this man is just like i want to get out and it's like yeah but you're part of this you're deep in this but i don't want to be 
I don't want to be that kind of guy anymore. I think I've moved on. It's like, but you can't move on from who you are and your past. Okay, that's it. Done. The Born Legacy goes into a real fucking... It should be a very exciting comic book territory. What it's about not... my drugs? Chems! I, need uh, my I mean, drugs. For, for, people, for people who've read certain parts of uh, Frank Miller's run on Daredevil, Aaron Cross is basically Nuke going, uh, going yeah. give me a blue, um, except yep. they try to make him out to be the hero. Um, and he's a lot less interested. It'd be much. I I maintain there's not coming in and fixing fixing uh, uh, the film that Jack's going to do. But this film would be much more interesting if either Aaron Cross put a big uh, American flag on his face and just went <laughs> crazy, yeah. or if it was just him and Oscar Isaac hanging out in an Arctic uh, cabin and falling in love. They should have broke-backed it. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. Modern retreading of broke-back. What I thought you were going to say is, it would be good to have him as the villain. You start off with him as a new operative, and then turns out he's out to kill Jason or something like that, which oh, was one that, of the ideas yeah. I had for my film, which is not, mm. not the direction I've gone in, but yeah. So before we get to things i just want to structure some stuff here so let's 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 talk about the born trilogy as it currently stands the 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 first three movies identity supremacy and and ultimatum now i mentioned some very bold things earlier i'd like to sort of call back on for a Hmm. second i said the the born identity was not only very important to me it's very important to cinema and i would like to to explain that if if you guys are happy for me to the born books and films preys on that classic airport uh, page turner schlock, which is almost what could be described as Harry Potter wish fulfillment. God, I could be a super spy and not know it, you know? And just generations of, of just dads and dudes thinking, you know, it'd be crazy. And it's like, well, it's you know, the classic like meme of someone lying in bed and the partner turns to, to the guy and says, what are you thinking about? And it's just like, oh, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about you and I love you so much. What are you actually thinking about? I'm, I could be a fucking spy and I'm not know. <laughs> and, and all it's going to take is someone to put my hand on my shoulder. I'm like, oh, fa, fa, fa. What happens if I start having flashbacks of my, my CIA training? Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, shit, shit. Yeah. I don't think, I might, I'd be a sleep agent. I wouldn't even fucking know. And you know what? I'd be cool at born. And so we end up with a generation of people who <laughs> go to airports and they go, yeah, yep, scope and exits. It's like, shut the fuck up. I can tell that guy over there weighs 250 pounds and knows how to handle himself, <laughs> but I don't know why. Like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, like, it's that Tom Clancy thing of also yes, like putting, yes. putting in Ryan. enough like plausible stuff, almost a kind of in a way of like Sherlock Holmes Ooh. stuff, where it's like, oh, yeah, I, I uh, because I've read I these books. I could do stuff. Yeah, because yeah. I've read these books, I now know enough that I could, if I was going on the run, I'd know that, you know, oh, you have to do this and this and you, oh, no, you can't pay with anything on credit cards because, you know, mm. the the thing. There was a TV show that ran for a few seasons on Channel 4 here in the UK called uh, Hunted, where it was basically they, they oh people yeah to basically go on the run and try and evade capture. And I kind of like binged it during uh, earlier in lockdown. And I definitely watched it and you spend the whole I'm pretty sure it's a universal experience if you spend the whole time watching it going, I could do much better than these people. I know how to go on the run from the government. It's like, yeah. no, you fucking don't. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the Bourne films. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. And it's, it's, it, it all feels plausible because it's like Matt Damon was not an action hero at the time. He was an Oscar winning writer and pretty boy from Goodwill Hunting. But the point is that he was perceived as a bit of an everyman. And then it was like, oh my God, he's fighting a guy with a fucking pen. Jesus Christ. 
That's Jason Bourne. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, this is the key point here. We talk about Paul Greengrass, but really Doug Liman's the one who sort of kickstarts this thing. And Greengrass runs with it very, very well. In 2002, when The Bourne Identity comes out, there is a turning point for, should we say, spy action films. Mm. And there are a handful of them. And they all try different things. And it's very interesting which one, for lack of a better word, wins. So, you have in 2000, Mission Impossible 2. Very John Woo, very action-heavy, guns, doves, madness, guitars. You have a similar one with triple X <laughs> stunts, cars, guns, very like sexy action shit. Then you have Die Another Day, which is like, oh, it's Bond trying to do a new thing. And it's like, oh, God, God, what is Make this? Make it stop. Make it stop. To a degree, you have the transporter. He's not a spy per se, but he's a specialist. And it's that mm. kind of thing where he has his martial arts as opposed to the other things. And it's more grounded to a degree. And then you have the born identity. And the born identity doesn't look or feel like any of these fucking things. It feels like 1998's Ronin. It's got more of a sort of like old 1970s spy thing. And the action's grounded. The, the, the music cuts out during the fight scenes and it's tense. And it's clear what's happening. And it's convoluted to a degree, but easy to follow in terms of the visuals and also the story. And because of this, and then Supremacy and Ultimatum, it shapes how action is shot for the next 20 years in terms of at least fight choreography for the mainstream. It's yeah. also very yeah. important to know that this is all happening in the context of it's only three years after The Matrix came out. Exactly. And although they are very different types of films, at, in, in 2000, in 2001, everything was copying The Matrix. It didn't matter what yes. kind of... If you were a film that had some kind of action in it, then you copied to The Matrix. And then CGI, slow-mo, everything. Yeah. And then Bourne came along and was like, actually, no, we're going to do something very different. And obviously the, the other films you mentioned there aren't really... Most of them aren't really trying to copy the Matrix, but no, no, no. Bourne does the most successful in, like you say, in resetting the zeitgeist of mm. how you do action, especially if you're trying to do it more grounded and not in this hyper stylized Matrix, yeah, Hong Kong wire work, yeah. Fashion. It's it's almost like it's it's not trying to be cool. It's trying to be grounded, but in its grounded nature, it becomes extremely cool because it's not James Bond with a fucking invisible car. It's born in a mini and it's more intense. And you think that car is going to be fucked. And it doesn't look like, oh, you know, like a cool jump scene where like, you know, oh, take speed, for example, um, where the, 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 the bus jumps the thing and there's no damage to the bus that carries on going. Or in... Um, the, the the race in in like fucking Greece or something like that you know years prior you got like the the fenders like you know barely dented when it cuts around to the thing mm -hmm. it's like oh you know these are but this thing looks like the car is going <laughs> to fall the fuck apart every vehicle that Jason Bourne touches is just fucking demolished by <laughs> the end of his time with it precisely it's just obliterated and it feels very intense and th th this is heightened when it goes from Lyman's direction to Greengrass because Greengrass had had a very interesting career at this point because he hadn't done really any major movies he did bloody sunday and he was obviously doing about the massacre in northern ireland and it was done in a way that was really frenetic and very tight and it put you and this mentioned earlier by i think by tim 
it put you in that moment. It gave you the feeling, the intensity of that moment. And I remember watching the Bourne Supremacy with some people who said, I'm not sure I like that because it was too shaky. And I said, yeah, but that's how a car crash looks and feels when you're in it. And I mean, you're in a fight. I've been in a few fights. You don't see it as a cool wide shot. You do see the stuff. And you do see like you, your eye flickers to the left. You see something on the ground you can grab. And, and the camera does that really cleverly because much like, you know, like Mad Max, for example, um, if there's something important and it's flashed up very briefly, it puts it in the center of the screen. You don't have to look around for it. It flows. And you talk about the, the spatial awareness that you have the moving to points where the, the, the walls aren't just solid white. You know roughly where everything is. It's not as good as Lyman's direction, in my opinion. It can be very chaotic in places, but that's kind of the point. It wants you to feel something. Greengrass wants you to feel like you're Jason Bourne. That's why you end up with the whole like, fuck, I could do that. You'd fall over the first fucking hit you took, you idiot. You'd be dead and shot in the back, trying to zigzag like a pillock. Um, <laughs> but but the, that that dense score work cutting out to these you know silent moments just fighting and it feels very intense and it's very uncomfortable and very in your face um gave rise to a huge amount of things now just to talk some boring statistics for a second here lyman's uh what's called what's called asl average shot length the average shot length in the born identity is four seconds now obviously it's not every single shot but you know the average one so a lot of it is very fast paced and stuff, even during the action sequence and then during the drama, it cuts away to things and it's very intense. Light, uh, through Greengrass's direction, he halves that to, on average, a shot or a cut every two seconds. Wow. And that's like, if you think about that, go one, two, blink, one, two, blink, one, two, blink. That's how you're watching the fucking movie. Mm. And that's really. the average rate. That's the <laughs> average rate. So yeah, that's, that's, and that's, that's why it becomes, you know, more intense. Um, it also does the thing which I don't particularly like, which you're getting away from now, which is the idea that it cuts on the punch or on mm. the contact. And uh, when you like Hong Kong, for example, will go sometimes slow motion. It will go, and it'll show you like two or three angles, like it's a fucking end of a of like virtual fire or some shit or Tekken or you know a final bit, and it will emphasize it because they're like, this was a really difficult thing for us to get. Uh, Jackie Chan when he does a big stunt, for example, will show you three three times the exact same stunt, whereas in the Bourne film they'll punch and it would do this formula of uh the attack the punch the second is the reaction and the three is the recovery so what you end up seeing is three cuts and again it does it really well and it holds up really well but imitators in the same way that shrek little minions we mentioned about like how you end it in the formula and then the ancient about how you end with take it with 10 fucking shots of liam neeson so you get people who aren't necessarily visually fast the dark path yeah and so it's it's a really weird one, but it, it again, it is a direct link to an entire two decade period of films being shot this way. We we're still very much in this. I know there are other ways that you know you see certain things, but this is still the standard. This mm. is still the industry standard, and people don't seem to really understand how or why. No, people don't really always see the turning point, but that was it. That right there. Mm. Aside from aside from stuff like superhero films where the amount of cg mm, dominates mm. how you film something that's true but for these kind of like grounded action films born still held sway until john wick came along like that's john wick was the true. was the latest thing that provided a sea change uh, and that is a hell of a long time for one style to be more or less dominant in how mm. action was filmed it, it's the idea that much like matt damon keanu reeves can do this don't cut away just show him doing it i think it's also important to note that 
like we say, Die Another Day came out around this point and Bond was really on the downhill. And there was so much comparison between Bourne and Bond. It obviously helps that they both have the same initials. Yeah. Um, uh, when 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 Identity came out, and it's it's a real like contrast because James Bond is associated with you know like wealth and class, and he's always wearing a tuxedo, and he only stays at the finest hotels, and he knows how to play baccarat and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. Whereas Jason Bourne was kind of held up as this. It's like it's the the secret agent version of kids taking their gap year. Like he was traveling mm. around Europe, he was using like trains and stuff like that, and and very and fucking driving minis and stuff like that. He's he's just traveling around Europe, doesn't really go to these kind of e exotic locales, and everything's shot in a very nothing really sells the glamour of any of the locations. It's just like no, it's here and it's a Tuesday and it's kind of rainy, and you're just you just happen to be in France or Zurich or whatever. Yeah, which is the thing I loved about the movies because it felt like, which is something a bit of a, especially a rarity for American movies. Um, it felt like Europe. It yes. felt like the places. It's like I was like, oh shit! It's like this is Paris. This is this is um, Zurich and stuff. And you're like, yeah. It's like cut to the Eiffel Tower. No, 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 no. We mentioned this in our London episode. Places doubling as other places and all that sort of stuff. It's like this mm. doesn't do that. It just says this is set here and it feels more grounded in that location because mm. of it. Down to the down to the fact that you have uh, Franca Patente as as Marie as the love mm. interest who had just done Run Lola Run, which was obviously yeah a German film that had got a fair amount of acclaim because it was shot in a very interesting way, had a very interesting structure, but was still very like you know it was a German subtitled film. They only going to get so big uh, in in Western audiences, um, and she's not particularly framed as like glamorous in the way that like a Bond girl would. It was this very different approach to how you do spy stuff that um, was very was very impactful. Yeah, she's a very nomadic character. She's she's mm. she's not overly sexualized or glamorized. She's very scared at times, but she's bold, she's confident, and Bourne sees something in her, and they're well suited to each other. Very different from, I say, like the book Marie, mm. who's a fucking French Canadian analyst or some shit. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. But, but yeah, very, very different, but very, yeah. very good, very good performance. And I think it's, it's a shame. I can understand why they did it because, and this is one of the problems I have with the, the later Bourne films, um, is that in Supremacy and Ultimatum, they need a they need a reason to bring Bourne back in, and so they kill off Marie. Yeah, and it's frigging. it's classic fridging. Um, for people who don't know the term, look up women in refrigerators. Uh, it's a it's a horribly like Green Lantern. <laughs> it's yeah, and it's 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 a trope to do with like the way female characters are treated in yeah. all of fiction. That that as soon as you start thinking about it, you go, oh yeah, that does happen a lot. Yeah. Um, how, how do you motivate a man to do something? kill the woman in his life and i was like yeah so she exists solely to die to motivate him to go my wife it's like yeah that's shit and in the first in the first film like she's obviously a love interest um but it feels like she's at least got stuff going she's on her own shit. it feels it feels like their lives have intersected rather than hers she's just sitting there in a room waiting for jason Bourne to show up mm. um and i think it's a shame that they have to kill her off in the second film to yeah. then to then go like, well, now he's got a reason to fight again. Um, and I don't think, because he's born 
is sort of sort of wants to take down Treadstone and Blackbriar and the CIA, but kind of just wants to be left alone. And I don't think it, after the first film, when he kind of manages to get out and escape from being under their thumb, I don't think his motivation is ever that compelling again, mm -hmm. which is tricky. Um, and I'm not sure how you would fix that problem. Yeah, so so J J Jason Bourne's mo or Dave Webb, whatever you call him, his motivation is fascinating because these movies, another reason why that's quite personal to me for Bourne Identity, are amazing time capsules. They're not trying to do a Bourne, uh, sorry, a James Bond and try and show you this amazing future tech gadgetry bullshit that doesn't exist. It's grounded in realism and what's available at the time. So in the first film and the second and third film, you've got various uh, operation centers being headed up by um chris cooper joan allen and uh david stratham and all of them are in a very quick succession obviously like you know 2002 2004 2007 but technology and how we understand things as a cinematic you know movie going audience and also the language of it evolves very quickly in the first one cooper's in a very small room down somewhere with those crt monitors and faxes and stuff it's all pre-smartphones and there's pins on boards with things and it's, it feels very 90s um telephones and that kind of shit uh like, like actually like wired landlines by the time it gets to uh landy by, by John, her, her character is very different and you start hacking into other bits and pieces and like i want secure phone lines i want this that the other i want i want security camera feeds i want these bits and pieces by the third film it goes full into the cia is ever reaching because of patriarch stuff obviously following 9 11 and all these things and it's like i want that line i want that phone i want this you don't have that power in this country. I want that man assassinated in London. How can you have reach in another person's country? It doesn't matter because we're America and in inverted commas, we're at war. And that's, they are beautiful time capsule pieces of how, again, this was filmed, this obviously would have been filmed pre 9-11. So it wouldn't have known what the world was evolving into and CIA involvement and things. And it evolved with it and it became fascinating. And because it felt very grounded, it genuinely did something with it which is why it's such a disappointment and the fucker started jason bourne it's all this 90s i'm hacking into the pentagon zoom and enhance bullshit and it's like no we we know through like snowden and stuff how things actually are monitored and how bourne was actually very on point as to actually what it was saying but jason bourne the fifth film doesn't have that so to come back to my sort of spinning point about bourne's motivation he is a very selfish individual, much like we said about how uh, Jeremy Renner's character is in The Bourne Legacy. The difference is Damon's charming. So when he's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. That feels like, oh shit, he's in taste. He's, he's really invested in this. He's got, got oh, I feel bad for the guy. Jeremy Renner's screaming, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I'll fucking cut you. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't trust that guy. He looks like he's just come off the streets of Boston. He's going to, you know, punch me. But Bourne's motivation is purely selfish means. The first one is, I want to know who I am. Oh, I don't like who I am. Who made me this way? I'm just going to stay out of it. It's fine. Don't ever come after me again. Mm. Second film, they come after me. They killed my, my effective wife, my partner. Now I'm going to fucking take that. I told you to leave me alone. Um, which again, middle America loves the shit out. I was like, you know, don't tell me <laughs> what to do. Um, it's that, that <laughs> mindset of just leave me the fuck alone. That almost... The, the, the libertarian... The, yeah. Precisely, mm, yes. The libertarian so leave me alone. Bullshit, yeah, yeah. So it's that idea of like, you know, it's like, no, 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 you have to come in. You have to help us out because we're trying to take, you know, we're trying to reform the CIA. I'm not part of this operation. I'm a good guy. I'm on your side. I'm trying to help you. Whatever. Um, 
no, leave me the fuck alone. I want to apologize to the person I did a crime for and about. I ruined her life. Then you get the third film and it's like, no, fuck you. I want to be left alone still, but I'm being pulled back in every single time. But Bourne's eventual motivation surely has to be, I have to take down the entire CIA. Mm. And the problem with doing that is Bourne learns and kind of already knows he's a killer. He has done this. He's Winter Soldier. He's basically a guy without without the fucking brainwashing. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, when I was watching it, I was like, "Holy shit, this is Winter Soldier!" Like he's got the notebook. <laughs> he's killed people he doesn't know he's killed. He's going on finding their daughters and apologizing and stuff. And having recently watched Falcon and Winter Soldier, I was like, mm, "Yeah, well, shit, yeah." Winter Soldier is just Jason Bourne in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> It's, it's genuinely true. It's, it's, the comparison is really clear. Uh, but the problem is that he isn't trying to like reform anything. He just wants to be left the fuck alone, as he said. And it gets weird because the things that bring him back in are always quite tedious and tenuous. Like, oh, Nikki's been looking for me in the fifth film because my dad knew about the program. No, he didn't know anything about the program. He was just an analyst. No, your dad wasn't an analyst. He was trying to get you into it. And you said you were going to join the program and he didn't want that and that's why they killed him it's like what the fuck he invented the whole thing but he told you not to it's like what yes and it's like no and nikki was also maybe your girlfriend well what yeah which yeah. is way more clear in certain elements of the books there's a lot yeah. more and there's alternate endings where there's clear romantic feelings between nikki and born that yeah. born doesn't know about but nikki was like Back when I was your handler, we had a bit of a thing. And he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because she yeah. doesn't really recognize him in the first film. It doesn't work very well. Yep. Um, we are continuously told that because Bourne is the lead, he's a good guy. He's on our side. And if you remember the time this film is being released, or these films, um, to, 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 to misquote, you know, life, it's a very uh, difficult time for our country. That kind of thing. To say certain things, anti-American, to be anti-CIA and things like that, would have been very risky. So, for example, you'll notice in the second and third film, and definitely in Jason Bourne and, Le and Legacy, the word patriot comes out quite a lot. Mm -hmm. um, you're a patriot, son. I know you're trying to save this. I was trying to save this country. It's like, for the fucking CIA? That's basically how they appeal to David Webb before yeah. he turns into Jason Bourne. Is like, you do it for your country. You're a patriot, aren't you? It's like, oh, yeah. God. The, the story is meant to be about a guy who's been indoctrinated by his government to do some awful fucking war crimes. This is what it should be about. And for the most part of the first couple of films, it is. And he's ashamed. He's trying to apologize. But the third film, he's like, nah, I'm just going to swim off. Fuck it. Too tired. <laughs> they won't try and do this again. Yeah, I think that's like... The, because obviously it portrays the CIA, you know, the, the Treadstone and the Blackbriar. You, you, mm. You're meant to look at those and go, oh, that's terrible. They're brainwashing these people into doing stuff they, they don't want to do. But it never, it never properly holds the institution to task, which I know is a lot, asking for a lot from a fucking Hollywood blockbuster film. film. Yeah. But, but the fucking CIA is atrocious. Like they are, they should be the bad guys in any piece of fiction because yes. you just need to look at some of the shit they've done historically. You just and instigate coups all over the world and yeah, yeah, remove you know, dictators to replace them with other dictators and yeah, proper shit. Historically, if something bad has happened, it's because the CIA made three mistakes three mistakes ago. And yeah. you're like, what? <laughs> yep. And 
like these films obviously they hold up you know like ah but these are the bad once we've got rid of these elements with it it's very like oh there's just a few bad apples that we need to take out and you know if if landy had been in charge loaded phrase in 2021 that's for sure yeah if if landy had been in charge or if we put nikki parsons in charge they'll all be fine it's like no these people are still choosing to work for the cia yeah like david webb at a certain point still turned around and went yeah i'll join the cia i'll join your program no he, no matter how little he knew going in and how much he'd been manipulated at a certain point he was like yeah i i'm pretty good at killing people and i'll join your cia program to help me get better of, at killing people yeah the, the thing in an ultimatum of the training program is like do you have what it takes to join this program? Yes. Right. Stick them in an ice bath. Are you still are you sure you want to join the program? It's like, yes. And they that, waterboard it's, him. It's, they don't stick him in an ice bath. You know, he has a nice little sit down in a spa. And that's yeah. probably why Aaron Cross feels so much more selfish yes. because he's essentially signed up like, yeah, I'll go around the world and kill people who America has decided need killing. Um, and I'll do it because I wanted to be smarter. And this is where we transition to the Bourne legacy. Now, we, we shit on some of the flaws of the Bourne films, but they are well constructed. They are good. They're entertaining. They're fun. They are, um, lack of a better word, impactful, memorable pieces. The Bourne legacy. Now, we may have a bit of a divide here between the three of us, but we'll see how it goes. Um, the Bourne legacy starts, <laughs> eventually, um, with Ed Norton's character, Literally saying to the audience and to Corey Stoll, because there's so many fucking good actors in this movie, doing nothing. Put Bourne out of your head. We're not touching that. Okay? Yep. And it says to you, that file is amazing. Look at all the stuff he's done. Don't touch that. We're not going there. And that's saying to the audience, we're not Bourne. We're moving on. We're not saying different. And you're like, okay, thanks. I agree. But then the film can't leave it the fuck alone. It can't branch out. It can't not be... A Bourne film. It talks about it all the time. And anytime it isn't talking about something that's happening in the Bourne films, it feels kind of flat. Now, as we've said before, if this was just a Jerry Morena action film about being an agent who's been betrayed by his country or whatever, fine. It, it would have elements to it that'd be interesting. But because it is a very miscast Jeremy Renner, in, in 2012, in the year he was in Avengers, in the time when he was going to be potentially, arguably, heading up the Avengers, taking over as from Ethan Hunt in Mission Impossible and taking over from Bourne. It's like, what the... F- he was, his agent was working fucking hard. Yeah. And the man was... And again, <laughs> he did well out of the Hurt Locker. Like, he you he know. really did. And, and I think he is good in the Hurt Locker. But, he's great in the Hurt Locker. Yeah, he's great in the agreed. town. He's, he has his strengths, in my opinion. Singing is one. Um, and this film doesn't have anything for him to play up to because he's, he's, he's paired up with Rachel Weisz, who's a great actor, who is given the role of being a very scared and confused scientist who is very... She's given nothing to do in these Nothing. In she's film. very weak as a character. And I don't mean physically, I mean literally she, she, there's nothing to her. She just happens to luck out a couple times by like, oh, my colleague didn't kill me. She's quite resourceful at times, in theory, but there's nothing there going on. And the problem is, she is the one who has been effectively poisoning him, Jeremy Renner's character. Um, but she's just a researcher, Matt. Just a researcher. She's, in, she's a cog in the machine not the same and he is the killer who's been set loose who needs his drugs otherwise because he's an addict he's a patriot and he's a patriot he's first country a researcher and a patriot get it right please thank you (laughs) those two are effectively at loggerheads 
and yet we're supposed to believe they're going to be able to get on with each other and have this again marie and 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 Bourne don't have that animosity they have an unsureness about each other and uh, an, an, an uneasy trust because of mutual benefit but this is someone he takes hostage and he is in no way charming about it because he's aggressive and she isn't likable at all because she's been working for a fucking evil corporation literally saying oh i don't know i wasn't doing tests i'm just fine i'm just a scientist it's like yeah, it's a bit of the Nuremberg defense. It's not. It's not great. <laughs> I was just following orders, kind of shit. Um, so, it, it's it's really tricky to watch because there are there are moments in this movie where are actually quite interesting. There are bits that could be a good, you know, sort of spy thrillery kind of thing going on, but yeah. they're so outweighed by just so much flat stuff and so much dull. It, it's it's the one that most people skip. Because it's so fucking boring, mm. and it, yeah, the the action has no flair to it. Not really. Um, it's just like if if the Bourne original trilogy were the ones that set up, like okay, like shaky cam, but yeah, you know, yeah. but but we're gonna do it well, like, and then everyone's gonna imitate us. This just feels like another imitator. Yes, this just feels it, like like Matt said, it feels like a generic action film that keeps tries to make you forget that it's a born film but also won't let you forget that it's a born film mm. and to go back to the kind of the complicity stuff like it tries to distinguish Aaron Cross by having him be a little bit more like questioning what he's up to especially at the beginning when he encounters Oscar Isaac as number three and he's a bit yeah. more like oh I've never met someone in the program before like what are you why did they send you up here blah 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 don't he's you want to about yeah he's much more talkative but like if he's got questions like surely they should have come up a little while ago before <laughs> he was before he was dosing himself with his goddamn chems <laughs> um and then when he finally meets up with Rachel Vice he's just he's just aggressive and yeah it's just him bellowing at her just being like where are the chems give me the chems and she's like i don't have them here and he's like then where the hell are they and it's 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 there is no there's none of the charm of the first film yeah. And there's none of the flair of the first film either. It's just, it is one standard unit of action film. And yeah. when you have had such a great, like, pedigree for the previous films, albeit that they have some problems and, you know, things that we could talk about, but but they were very good examples of that kind of action film. And this one is just so bog standard. It, like... It feels like it should never have been released in cinemas. It should have just shown up at, on Channel 5 at 9.30 <laughs> at night. Do you mean like the Treadstone TV series that died off so quickly? Well, oh, yeah, God, quite. I watched an episode of that. It's a piece of shit. Yeah. And, and, and this is the thing. It, it's a problem with the nature of anything going forward. And obviously, my sympathies to Jack for trying to pick the, the ball up moments and the many yeah, books yeah. that have followed the, the, the Bourne trilogy. Yeah, by the way, we mentioned there's three books by Robert Ludlum. <laughs> yeah. There's 15 books in total. Including one called Born Legacy, which has nothing to do with the movie. Yeah, it's even further away than the original trilogy. <laughs> yeah, they because they the the, the original Born films they they deal with like Carlos the Jackal. Uh, yes, books. Correct. Yes. yes, he's the main antagonist that leads through the whole all three of them pretty yeah. much. Yeah, and they came out in the I think the first one came out in the possibly even the seventies, if not the eighties. It's nineteen eighty, nineteen ninety, and nineteen ninety seven or something like that. Yeah, actually, like quite far apart yeah so like the, the the trilogy was over by the time that it got that the first film came uh, out 
Ludlam died shortly before the first say, one yeah. came out. Yeah. yeah. And he's he's a, a like uh in memory of an executive producer yes. and stuff on the first yeah. film. Legacy yeah. and, and then obviously they were like, Oh shit, we've got a success on hand and more people were wanting to read these Bourne books. Mm. And they brought on I'm sure Jack knows the name of the, the author. It's Eric Von something. Uh it is, yes. Hold on. Hold on. And and he was pumping those books out at a rate of one a year. Yeah. It is bonkers because they are just literally pop boiler well, thrillers. Eric Van Lustbader. He's American, so I assume it's Lustbader or Lustbader. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Eric Van Lustbader. I was working in a bookstore at the time. Um, I wonder if Tim was as well. Um, and I remember the Bourne trilogy. I have upstairs the, the sort of trade paperback of the whole three collection of the books um and they were selling fucking well and this was also the time about a couple of years later when dan brown's the da vinci code came out i know it's not exactly uh, the yes. same but that kind of fast-paced action mm. airport page turner blah, blah, page blah. turning um, yeah. airport stuff yeah, exactly yeah um page turner is the thing booksellers hate to hear by the way <laughs> But the point is, people wanted that stuff, and so to be able to churn out one a year of this very sort of like you know, and then obviously you know you got like more crime based stuff with like what's it like uh, Alex. Cross. Oh, is that one? Of those Alex ones? Alex Cross is a police detective. Yeah, who's been played by Jack Morgan Reacher Freeman? Shit. Jack Reacher is yeah. Yeah, Jack there's, Reacher's there's the, that ilk of yeah. stuff. Yeah, Lee Child things that sort of, and yep. it's 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 frustrating because there was so much there was a hunger for it. And that's great. There's, there's always content on board and you can always find better things. But this was always frustration when you know the industry. Like, oh, do you like this kind of film or this kind of book? Yeah, I can recommend other stuff. Nah, I want this one. And the problem is with like the branding, the Bourne Legacy is like, well, I'll watch it because it's the next one. Except what you get is a very generic movie with a very generic ending. And this is where we get to the whole sequel territory that pisses on the end of the Bourne Ultimatum because mm -hmm. it feels like it wraps up quite neatly and then Landy is framed for everything. And then the Jason Bourne film never addresses it at all. So you're like, nope. oh, did she just go to prison? What the fuck happened there? It's, yep. it's ridiculous. So of the 11 extra Bourne, including Legacy, would you like me to run down the titles quickly? Because I've picked an original <laughs> title. Yes. For yeah, the record. go for it, go for it. Um, we have Bourne, Leg and bear in mind, they're released from 2007 to 2017 there is one per year apart from 2015 it's mental That's intense writing anyway we have the born legacy the born betrayal the born sanction the born deception the born objective the born dominion the born imperative the born retribution retribution again classic subtitle the born ascendancy the born enigma and 2017's the born initiative fuck off Whereas the films went down the road of what all things seem to happen. I'm surprised they didn't just call it Bourne, but they called it Jason Bourne. I thought they were just going to call it Bourne because we've yeah. got that. We've got the the Rocky Balboas and the yeah. the John Rambos of the world. And we're going to get a McLean or whatever the fuck that one's called. Of fucking hell. Yeah. It's, it, we, we're going to tell Jones. this a lot later in an interseason episode about posters when we get to to get, bring John Scarrett on board, but the posters are amazing to see evolve. Again, like again, the the time capsules these things. So the first one is a very sort of like um, early two thousands, late nineties kind of orange and blue. Uh, yeah, lots of yeah. stuff going on. It's very it's very much like a speed blur. Oh, everything's moving around very fast paced. And then you did 
The second film is like a big old Matt Damon face with a sniper rifle. It doesn't really line up properly, but it's good enough, that kind of thing. <laughs> the third one is him standing there with the explosions behind him because it's a big old action film with Jason Bourne. Oh, it's Matt Damon. Bourne Legacy is a lot of like... I have a bone to pick with that poster. Oh. I'm glad you mentioned it. It is Jeremy Renner covered in a bunch of rectangles. Yes. And the <laughs> rectangles are like shutters or like... The redacted blinds, sentences of a, of a... Redacted mm, sentences, of a, exactly. Of a document. And the phrase... There was never just one, it said there. I was like, yeah, we know. We met a bunch of them in the first three movies. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> we meet a bunch of other Treadstone and Blackfire. Yep. All the villains, apart from the CIA. The CIA directly, isn't one man. <laughs> are, are the fucking assassins. We meet Paz. We meet the professor. We already know there's, there's never been one. What the fuck are you talking about? It's mm. not fucking Highlander. Like The premise of Jason Bourne isn't... <laughs> He's the only one who can do this. It's like, <laughs> yeah, he's a part of a bigger project that needs to be stopped. That's Al the although, entire point. The film does prove that there is just one. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's the <laughs> best. Don't get me wrong, but there yeah. was never just one. But the the Jason Bourne poster is worse, in my opinion, in every regard, because it's um, a black and white photo of Matt Damon's face close up, or alternatively, it's just him staring with a gun off screen. And it just says, you know his name. It's like, that's the fucking Bond teaser for fucking Goldeneye. <laughs> and, and also, oh, well, we didn't mention about the fact that Casino Royale exists solely because Bourne was like, oh, people are like, oh, fuck, that's the way we're doing this now. Hmm. All of Daniel Craig's stuff does the same thing. Anyway, we, we are getting... Just as a quick thing before we go to, to actually fixing this fucker. What's... I, I think we'll have the same answer, but I'm just... I think there'll be a bit of bit of nuance Ooh, in terms of the ordering. How do we personally rank the Bourne films, all five of them? From f let's let's start with our number. What's, what's all of our number fives, respectively? I haven't seen it, but but Jason Bourne. Yeah, Jason <laughs> Bourne is is probably the worst. Um, I think you can't go wrong with either Legacy or Jason Bourne as the worst one because they're both crap. My my choice for number five is is the Bourne Legacy because it's just a yeah. little too boring. But I agree. Mine's my four is Jason Bourne, so I assume you guys have reversed like your Legacy is your four or yeah, four, yeah. No, Leg Legacy would be my worst. I agree with you, Matt. Oh, okay, that's fine. Thanks. So, but I'm saying like I don't really care. That's fair. I care about how you rank the, the first top three. three ones. That's, that's what yes, matters. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> there's there's very much a. It's like here's this level. Then we go up to like six floors in the building, and now here we are at the, mm -hmm. the higher echelons. Yeah, okay, exactly. so the top three. Let's start with Tim. Supremacy. Jack. I agree. Supremacy. Mine's ultimatum. I'm afraid. Oh, Matt, you dissenting bitch. Some people think it's the best. Uh. What is your second favourite Bourne film, Tim? Ultimatum. I'm about to agree with Tim, yeah, Ultimatum. Mine is Supremacy. Um, <laughs> Makes sense. There's more spy shit going on in it. And yeah. uh, the Russia stuff and fucking Carl Urban. And number one, all of us is Bourne Identity. Yeah, because it's fucking yep. great. It's a great film. Yep. All right, let's, let's fix this, boys. This week's episode is sponsored by Brush. Not Daniel Bruch, he's Daniel Poole. <laughs> but it's got an umlaut in it. Bruch is an electric toothbrush that will change the way you think about brushing your teeth. With powerful sonic technology and ultra-gentle bristles, ultra-gentle bristles, ultra-gentle bristles, like Wilford Brimley. The powerful, uh, with powerful sonic technology and ultra-gentle bristles, 
the brouche redefines what it means to have super clean teeth. It's like that feeling when you just leave the dentist, that fresh, like, whole mouth clean. I recently had a visit to the hygienist, and it's you just feel like they're, like they're freshly polished and shiny and lovely. You get that every single day with Bruch. And our listeners can get 15% off their total purchase with the code POD15. That's P-O-D-1-5. If you follow the link in the show notes and enter that code to get your exclusive discount and upgrade your oral care routine. So it's my responsibility this week to talk about the Rotten Tomato scores. Um, we're going to be bold. We're going to be quick. All five. Gentlemen, Tim, you're going to have to just guess for Jason Bourne, I'm afraid. But uh, you've heard I've got a pretty good idea. Control. You've, you've got a fucking... Your finger's on the pulse. Quick fire. Bourne identity. Go. 83. Okay. Tim. 90. Just pull that number out of my ass. 90. Oh, I like it, Tim. The Bourne supremacy. Jack, go. 80. Tim. 89. The Bourne Ultimatum. Jack, go. 77. 94. 94, okay. Tim. The Bourne Legacy. Jack, go. 42. Okay, Tim. It's not going to be that low, but fuck that movie. (laughs) 51. 51. And finally, Jason Bourne. Jesus Christ, it's Jason Bourne. Uh, Jacko. 55. 55. I and didn't think about any of those numbers. I just said the first number. No, that's, that's why I think this is, this is breakneck <laughs> reaction. You're, you're, you're drilling into muscle memory from your training in the CIA. Tim, go. 53. You killed that man, Tim. Oh. Okay, right. <laughs> I'm going to just do some quick calculations here. You and killed see. him and his wife, Tim. Yep. Yeah. You're going to go see his daughter with, with a gun and you bleeding all the place saying, I'm not going to hurt you. Don't worry about it. I killed your mom and dad. Sorry. Mm. Bye. <laughs> Good luck. Right. Let me just do some maths here. Right. I've got the scores for you. It's a very interesting um, set of results, actually. Mm. So, the born identity. 83 for Jack, 90 for Tim. I've got both the audience score and the critic score. Oh, no. The critic score oh, is... No. 83. Jack nailed it. Nice. Come on. Audience score, 93. <laughs> so, Tim's much closer yeah, with the audience. nailed that one. So, point to Jack. The Born Supremacy uh, was 80 from Jack and 89 from Tim. Critics, 82. Audiences, 90. So, again, very consistent. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tim's a man of the people. Yeah, and Jack's got another point. <laughs> The Bourne... Jack's up there in his ivory tower, <laughs> accruing his points. With my, with my fellow critic. The Bourne Ultimatum. You misread the room, Chambers. Uh, I know this. I know Ultimatum is considered the best, but they're wrong. You guys said 77 and 94. Critics, 92. Wow. Well done. Audience, 91? Ooh. Wow. Mm. Um... So Tim gets a point. The Born Legacy. 42 for Jack. I know I went too low on this. I just hate this one. And 51 for Tim. Um, the or, the critics score. like 70 something and I hate myself. No, no, no. The, the, I think this is actually fairly reasonable. Is it, is it higher than Blade 2? Uh, <laughs> everything is judged. Right, yeah. You on, might need to. On, you might is need it to, higher or lower than Blade 2 scale? You might need to tune out for a couple of seconds then. Um, the Born Legacy, critically speaking, 
55. Okay, audience, that much 58. I think that's... I mean, they're wrong. It's, it's, it's bad. It's worse than that. Maybe, but that, I, I, I can reason it. That's a point to Tim. And then... And then this fucker comes along. It's <laughs> just the big drop-off. Well, so far... Because I predicted two, it would go back up. It's two points to Jack and two points to Tim. Mm-hmm. So the question is, what have you guys done? The answer is, you done fucked it, kids. So... It's like 13 or something. <laughs> Jack said 55. Tim said 53. Did. Jason Bourne, critic score, 54. <laughs> Yes! Oh, it is a dead tie. Well done, boys. Amazing. Um, the audience score is 55. So people consider Jason Bourne worse than the Bourne Legacy. I think that's not necessarily the, the, the film itself. Just because it's like, oh, Greengrass and 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 Bourne are back and everything like that. It's mm. like, why is this what you came back for? This isn't. And good. also just people have yeah, people have moved, people on, moved on by this point. It's, the industry's changed. Mm. Right. Um I think it would be very interesting to chart the Bourne films against the Mission Impossible films. Because yes. obviously Mission Impossible's a lot wackier. Do big than crazy the stunts. They do they have more sci fi shit going on, mm. but I feel but like they necessarily keep getting better, but the last three have been fucking fantastic. Yeah. That's true. And the people now. who were after Bourne for it being more grounded. Mm. Are now after Mission Impossible because they're like, ah, but Tom Tom Cruise does all of his own stunts and yes. it hasn't got all that CGI yes. that the Marvel films have. Got. That's that's what it is. It's the whole. It's real. It's in. I mean, to be fair for the Bourne films, it's all in camera mostly. Yeah, it's very rarely CGI. Um, so that's 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 quite thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you just a very brief thing here because I only I only reviewed one of these movies, um, and it was Jason Bourne, which I gave two out of five. Um, and I just like to give you, uh, my my summation, if you will. I'm very intrigued. The truth is, I don't think the Bourne setting is strong enough for a massive sprawling franchise, nor should it need to be. But it's being pressured into conforming to that mold. Had this feature come out in 2010, I imagine it would have been more positively received, but that window has passed. And without creating something really cutting edge or challenging audiences in a unique way, the end product is a bit flat. Whether we'll get another Bourne film remains to be seen, but while I didn't think there was much more they could milk from this film, I'm certain that well is now completely dry. And then the final thing was a lot of time, money, and effort to effectively remake the Bourne legacy with a more enigmatic lead. And I, again, I still stand by that. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That, that all makes sense. Even though I haven't seen the film. Yeah. You don't need to. Vincent Cassell's in it. So Jack doesn't like it. Yeah, that was a weird. I also don't like Vincent Cassell. You don't like him either. Unlikable. I like Vincent Cassell. He's not used in this film very well. Um. Anyway. Anyway, Jack, you've got a bit of a difficult task because we've all admitted the trilogy is great, doesn't need any more. The audiences and critics don't think it needs any more. Um, and we're saying, give us another one. It's a. It's another one of these. The answer is don't make it. Yeah. So how 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 have you um managed to to reel us back in? It could be a bit of a controversial one. It's been out there right now. It's fair. It's fair. It's a, it's a poison. Could chalice. be my. Could be my pinhead. Just putting it out there right now because <laughs> I put pinhead in it. You've just given a really inappropriately child-friendly theme throughout. It's like, who's Mister Bubbles? <laughs> it's a crossover with Spy Kids. <laughs> 
I wish. It's, it's Machete versus Born, but through the filter of Spy Kids. <laughs> so it's like Uncle Uncle Machete disagreeing with like a grumpy neighbor played by an old Matt Damon. Either that, I or wish. it's Born. Born decides to get away from the CIA by going to Mars, and it's just it's just the Martian. Yeah, it's the Martian. It's going to be right. This one's called um, the Born Returns. Oh, it's uh, sure. Who's directing it? Kevin Smith. Um, <laughs> it's in the View <laughs> universe. Um... <laughs> so I'm making Dogma Two. <laughs> Still dogging. <laughs> I'm sort of doing both Born Legacy and Jason Bourne. Oh, the films. Yes. Cool. Not as a mashup. I'm not mashing up the storylines. But my film comes out in 2015. Okay. Could be a problem, as you said. Nobody cares about Bourne anymore. Well, people were excited when it came back. my story is interesting for you to care enough. Mm. It'd been almost a decade. They were like, oh, great. I would love and, this. And bear in mind, there's no legacy in this universe. So legacy never happens. There's, there's an eight-year gap between these films. I am, of course, bringing back Matt Damon as Jason Bourne, <laughs> surprisingly enough. Um, I've mm. done the thing where I'm not tweaking the original bad sequel i've scrapped the fucking thing there's no jeremy renner there's no other bullshit there's no chems <laughs> fuck the lot of that it's just another ball this is somewhat influenced by the legacy book funnily enough which features jason Bourne, and there's a lot more jason borny basically um there's a couple of elements i've stolen from there a couple of other things from some of the other books and stuff as i often do i do a lot of research and amalgamate some ideas and film it all together basically mm. I'm bringing back Greengrass as well, because in order to get Matt Damon, you got to bring back Greengrass. Ideally, I'd like to bring back Doug Lyman, but don't tell Matt Damon. That would, <laughs> that would be the dream. But Matt Damon would probably tell me to piss off. So, you know, yeah, maybe. I'm stuck. Um, so that might be a thing instantly. So like, just do Doug Lyman. That's probably going to be better. I was like, yeah, you're probably right. You know, After Edge of Tomorrow and all that kind of stuff, as we talked about in the Starship Troopers episode. My title... It's not Born Legacy, I'll let you know right now. It is an original title, even from the 15 books, because I didn't want to just steal the title. I, I Basically, I spent about 50 minutes scrolling through a thesaurus <laughs> to look like, what's a cool word that goes with Born? I wonder, like, is there an auto-Born title yeah. generator? Because it's such a, born like, lunchbox. obvious thing. There isn't. So I was like, okay, I'll just do it myself. Um, I've gone for the Born Consecution. That's a Scrabble word. Yeah, that's not it a is. word I've ever heard of before. It's Neither had I. Shit, isn't it? It's like another it's, one. Uh, yes. Essentially, yeah. Okay. As in consecutive, it's, uh, it's, it's the idea of more. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's yeah, the that, same that root as consecutive. Yeah, yeah, it's a sequent or successive events. Yeah, that's fair. That's cool. Um, Born yeah. another one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, DJ Khaled. Yeah, so um, that's who so you're yeah. casting, right? <laughs> exactly. The uh, Aaron Cross, the other operative, played by DJ Khaled. <laughs> Love Definitely it. Not. Uh, that's not how it's pronounced, actually. It's DJ Khaled. Another one. Sorry. Sorry. Another one. Um, Matt Damon is back as Jason Bourne slash David Webb. Julia Stiles is back as Nikki Parsons. Joan Allen is back as Pam Landy because she's not all treasonous and weird in this because that film never happened. Good. Um, Edgar Ramirez is back as Paz, the assassin who doesn't kill Bourne at the end of Ultimatum. David Strathan is back as uh, Noah Vosen. We'll get to that. It's some flashbacky stuff. Um, 
Corey Johnson, the the two minor characters, Corey Johnson is back as Ray Wills and Tom Gallup is back as Tom Cronin. They are two of the CIA office worker guys who are the assistants to Vosen and Landy, Recognizable faces. Exactly. We, oh, it's, the, it's that guy with the bad hairline. Yeah, yeah, him. <laughs> yeah. General CIA guys. Mm-hmm. That is my returning cast from Ultimatum. It's re- I can't remember which one it is. Uh... Fucking Walton Goggins shows up as he's one of the, the CIA. First one. He's the first, it, one. He's the first just, one. He's just there, pointing, pointing towards the computer, being like, "Hey, look at the thing." Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think he's even got a name. I think he's just like analyst number three. He, he's, he is like technician three or something like that. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, new characters. I've got three new characters. As I like to do, I tend to keep the casts pretty small, like key characters. There's a couple of other characters mm. floating around. Cast them how you will. Essentially, they've got small parts, but the big main central parts i have a character called joshua played by logan lerman oh you may know as as percy jackson from the percy jackson movies Mm, he's also being a wallflower uh he's slightly younger than me so at this point he'll be about 25 around about that sort of age 23 Mm -hmm. 24 25 something like that he's born in 92 so there you go um, yeah, you probably know him from Perks being a wallflower. He's in 310 to Yuma, which is where I first uh, I learned of film. him. Absolutely adore that film. Um, he's in Noah as well. We've, we've talked about that extensively. I on like the show that film before. a lot too. <laughs> I, I still need to watch it. Um, and and Fury as well, the, the, ta- the tank movie, as you mm-hmm. probably know it as. That <laughs> tank movie that David Ayer did. Tank Squad. Um, with, yeah, with Brad Pitt, Shia LaBeouf, Logan Lerman. Michael Pena, John Bernthal, Jason Isaacs, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> mm-hmm. all, all the guys. Jesus Christ, it's a tank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, I have Maggie Q. Very I'm a big cool. fan of from Nikita. Yeah. You probably know her as Nikita from the Nikita TV series. Um, she's also in the kind of tying into Logan Lerman kind of young adult stuff. She's in the Divergent, Insurgent, oh, Convergent films. series. <laughs> Uh, she's also in previously sequelized Live Free or Die Hard, mm. <laughs> the Die Hard franchise. Yeah, third Mission Impossible film. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yes, I believe it's the third one. Yeah, she. Yeah, she's also in the Mission Impossible series. Uh, she's playing a character called Mai M A I. Um, and my third and final extra cast character is Iko Weiss, who you mm. may know from The Raid and The Raid Two. Yeah. And also Star nice. Wars Force Awakens for some reasons, because they were like, yeah, just get the <laughs> Ray guys in to do some choreography. It'll be fun. <laughs> um, that is the main guy. That is Rama from The Raid and The Raid 2, mm-hmm. in yes. case you hadn't yeah. already clocked onto that, listeners. If you haven't seen The Raid, go and watch The Raid. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the main guy the, in that. When does The Raid come out in comparison to this? Uh, 2012. Yeah. It's the oh, end okay, of 2011, so, yeah, beginning exactly. of 2012. This is the sequel, isn't it? 2014 yeah. is Raid 2, correct? Yeah. yeah. So this is this is the same year as Force Awakens, mm-hmm. but he's barely in Force Awakens, so we're fine. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, and he is playing a character called Kai. K A I. My and Kai. My and Kai and Joshua slash Josh. Cool. And Jesus Christ! Things. It's my and Kai. <laughs> there you go. All right. Right. 2015. Born's Consecution. I'm I, I'm very curious about the fact that Jason Bourne came out in 2016 and you made this 2015. That's fascinating. I'm mm-hmm. sure it's just scheduling and alignment mm-hmm. and stuff, but 
It Very is a scheduling alignment thing, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I I was thinking like, oh, I'll do a little bit earlier, but Logan Lerman is so young. I like, yeah, mm. if you want Logan Lerman specifically, like then yeah. Nineteen year old kid. And you I thought about recasting it, coming up with a few different ideas, blah blah blah. But you're putting yeah. it in the same year as The Martian. Mm. So mm, yes. interesting because because not unheard Matt of. Damon though, would presumably be yeah, be be fair like that that did pretty well, I think. Yeah. It is yeah. it's, it's it's one of those things where like, you know, when um you get like a, a crossover of like DiCaprio films and it's like, oh shit, DiCaprio against DiCaprio. Mm. It's like, yeah, but like two very different movies. I can, yeah. I'm I'm I've not set my heart on twenty fifteen. No, no, it's all right. It's just interesting. It, it can go it a year later, it can go a year no, earlier. No. It doesn't okay. One's a big science fiction thing, one's an action spy thing. It will be a very different thing. Audiences will be yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'm ready. Let's do this. A well-dressed man sprints through a forest, his left arm wounded and limp at his side while his right hand grips a handgun. He pauses, breathing deeply and looking around for his pursuer. We recognise him as Ray Wills. As I mentioned earlier, one of the CIA Mm. guys, he is Noah Vosen's former assistant. A bullet strikes a tree a few inches to his right and Ray quickly begins running once again. Another bullet skims past him, cutting through the padding in his suit jacket shoulder. Imagine like a slow-mo shot of like Mm. just missing and hitting through the padding. We switch to the view of the gunman aiming down the sights of his rifle. It lines up with Ray's leg and fires, dropping his prey to the ground. Footsteps approach Ray as he crawls and rolls over to face his killer. He looks up and is surprised to see Paz, not Jason Bourne, as he has assumed. Ray gasps out a sentence of, I was just following orders. It it was an office job. Paz shakes his head and replies with, that's what they all say, before delivering the killing shot. Title card. The born consecution. It's nice. It's, it's it's yeah already nice tense frenetic opening cold open cold a open, bit like classic quantum of solace without the shitty car chase. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I like that. In contrast to the fast paced opening scene, chalk scratches across a board in the classroom, spelling out words in Cyrillic, which is Russian, German, and Spanish. The university students look confused at first, but realize what the teacher is doing. Write the same word in multiple languages to show common linguistic roots. So that etymological sort of stuff we were yep. sort of talking about. The teacher turns around and asks the class a question in German, revealing himself to the audience as an older David Webb. Mm. Jason Bourne is no more. David Webb is teaching linguistics at Mizu? Mizu. Mizu. It's in Missouri. It's the Missouri University. Ah. Oh, fuck you, Missouri. Yep. Jason Bourne is no more. David Webb is teaching linguistics at Mizzou University. A few clips of his day-to-day life show David teaching, going for a run in the evening, and as well as keeping a notebook updated with any flashbacks and memories he has, much as you've seen in the previous films. So this is the bit I've nicked from the book Legacy. He Mm. retires and becomes a teacher. and Makes sense. As he sits on the edge, it's also the end of the Martian. As he sits <laughs> on the edge of the bed in his Shit, modest apartment, made the Martian. <laughs> he gets flashbacks of being on Mars, and he just plays the Martian. Right, okay. As he sits on the edge of the bed in his modest apartment, we see flashbacks to moments in the first three movies. His talk with the sniper in Identity, the professor, Marie's death in India, the professor, yeah, Marie's death in India, Nikki and Landy helping him. This culminates with his escape from Wombosi's yacht, where he was shot and found to the sea, interspersed with his escape and fall into the river at the end of Ultimatum. Bring it because it's together. the mirror of the trilogy and stuff. And, mm. yeah. oh, of course. Just of course. saying, like, we're closing that loop. 
This is a new film. Here's the previous three films. Which is what Born Legacy says it's going to do and never does. <laughs> so, yeah. Nikki is working in a logistics office for a major transport company, having left her CIA life behind after the events with Jason. She's directing people around a warehouse and living a seemingly normal life, much like David. Their normal lives are intercut with one another. They both finish a workout and receive phone calls, giving the same, Hello? You're sure? Okay, I'll be there. Thanks. Answers in unison. Imagine like side-by-side shots of them both answering the phone at the same time, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. They work for Uber Eats now. They're just going to deliver some burgers. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Imagine Jason Bourne, the peak of human physical condition, and he's there with his (laughs) delivery bag over his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Par- parkouring across the city to, to oh, drop off your Nando's. Smashing into your window. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. <laughs> One star. Yeah. He broke my window. Five stars. A small team of Navy SEALs begin infiltrating a compound in Afghanistan. The camera focuses on one SEAL in particular named Josh. Josh is able to speak Arabic to calm down some civilians as the group proceed further into the compound. They encounter a few enemies and a gunfight ensues. My typical thing of gunfight, action. There yeah, you go. Action happens. It's a pitch. One of the seals is shot, but is able to continue fighting and they push their way up further down into the compound in a raid style combat scene. Raid influences right there. Of course. Instead of going up the building, they're going down the building further into the compound. This culminates in a showdown at the bottom of the compound, and as Josh and a teammate are preparing to open the door to the final safe room, an explosion throws the door open from the inside. The rest of the team pour into the room as Josh looks down and realises his leg has been crushed by the heavy steel door. He passes out, and we fade to black. Pam Landy meets with Parsons and Webb in a bar, all three of them disguised and using different names. I really hope they've got moustaches on. (laughs) They've all dyed their hair black. (laughs) <laughs> dyed the hair black and yeah. born looks exactly the same <laughs> yeah it's like you guys better disguise yourself cut your hair but also i'm fine are, are you the most wanted man in the world right now no, no 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 you guys change your hair you're the women this is how this works jesus christ that's two ladies with short dark hair and jason born <laughs> okay uh so all three in the disguise using different names Landy does most of the talking, informing them that some agents were exposed thanks to their actions in Ultimatum are looking for revenge. This is the time to Jason Bourne, because that is Vincent Cassell's character. Yes. He, is an, he is an undercover agent whose cover is exposed by the events of the Ultimatum releasing. Reflection the of the whole Snowden stuff about if you do Spot that, on. is it actually a danger? Yep. And, yep. Yeah. What are the consequences? Are you, if you leak all this information, what's the consequences for the people involved and the undercover yeah. people? Yeah, which would be fine as it is, but they also had the thing that he also killed Jason's dad. Moving on. Um, <laughs> neither of them look surprised, and Webb assures them that they will be kept safe. Landy laughs, saying that Jason Bourne could promise that, not David Webb. Oh, cutting. Sick burn. David frowns. Lots of wrinkles appear. Clearly not feeling Landy's dry sense of humour. Nikki asks if she can do anything to help, and Landy passes her a file. Nikki opens the file, and the scene transitions with a wipe as the file opens. That's interesting. A screen wipe. Mm. Like a transition of... Oh, no, I got it. Yeah. Like the file going across the screen. Not a George Lucas, like, oh, no, 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 wipe yeah. or something. That's different, so that's interesting. Um, yeah, I purposely thought I'm doing something a little bit different, a little bit fresh. No, I can tell. Yeah, that's interesting. Paz is travelling through the streets of Washington, D.C., he has flashbacks of conversations with Noah Vosen, berating him for failed jobs. 
he blinks away the flashbacks and spots Tom Cronin, Landy's former assistant at the CIA, in a crowd. Paz quickly approaches him and quietly puts a gun in his back, directing him to a quieter side street. Tom says he doesn't work for the CIA anymore and hasn't got anything useful for him. Paz tells him he knows that he doesn't work for the CIA anymore, but that's not why he's found him. He wants him to find Pamela Landy. Josh is recovering in an American hospital. His leg has been amputated and he's going through physical therapy with a prosthetic leg. His commanding officer confirms his honourable discharge from service and also delivers a letter, saluting him as he leaves. Josh opens the letter and it's the Treadstone photo of Jason Bourne, as well as a handwritten note that says, David Webb, September 13th, 1970, in Nixa, Missouri, which is the real date of birth that's actually in his file in Ultimatum, not the code name, the, the 41571 thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Josh looks confused at first, but then smiles with recognition. Paz silently sneaks in through a window into an apartment. He spots Landy sleeping in the next room and continues creeping around looking for files. The light suddenly switches on and David is standing in the previously dark corner of the room waiting for Paz. David quickly asks him why he's come looking for Landy and Paz replies that he didn't. He came looking for Jason Bourne. David rolls his eyes and tells Paz that Bourne is dead. David slowly approaches Paz with his hands up, introducing himself as David and offering to help with his memories and flashbacks. Paz pulls a gun on David and David suddenly switches onto Jason Bourne, instantly disarming Paz, removing the gun's magazine and bullet in the chamber. So it's very much like that muscle memory control. It's that moment in the airport from the first one where he suddenly goes, and then everyone's down. He's like, oh yeah, I've got a gun in my hand. What the fuck, I'm there. (laughs) Yeah. Paz smiles, telling David that he will always be Bourne, whether he wants to admit it or not. Landy finally stirs from my bed and is shocked to see both of them in her apartment. What are you doing here in the middle of the night? Oh, I'm just a lady. I'm a lady in my night. She's not. What she's CIA. Doing? She pulls a fucking gun. John Allen kills them both. She'd say, Jesus Christ, it's David. It's Jason <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's Jason Bourne. I was with David Webb a minute ago. What the fuck are you doing here? Does David Webb know you're here? <laughs> the three of them sit down and have a conversation. David and Pam offering to help Paz to go on a similar path as David has to recover from his Blackbriar training. Paz says he would like that. The Bourne was the one who showed him it was possible to be something else, to be someone else. While David tries to comfort Paz, Paz explains that someone is looking for David. Landy tries to correct him, but Paz insists this person is looking for David Webb, not Jason Bourne. David looks confused, but says he will deal with it. A few days later, one of David's classes is interrupted when a bullet whistles past his head and strikes the board behind him. David quickly ducks, taking cover behind his desk, and tells the students to do the same as their, and I looked this up because it's an American thing, school shooting training. Ugh, America. Mm. Unfortunate reality. By upturning their desks for protection. David carefully moves to the window, and another shot ricochets off the board again, barely missing him. David spots the reflection of the shooter's scope in a nearby grassy area on campus, and David moves out of the door next to the window and into the school hallway, telling people to get down and stay away from the windows. Another shot fires through the hallway, killing one of the other teachers. Panic ensues as teachers and students begin to scramble for cover. David gets outside onto the campus grounds and begins sneaking his way around to see where he can find the sniper. He manages to flank the area, but spots a tidied-up sniper nest near a bush with no sign of his assailant. David removes his lanyard and walks away with purpose. Now, is that lanyard full of chems? Chems! He takes the blue lanyard 
Nikki calls David, confirming the details of the agent looking for them. Mai, a female Vietnamese-American assassin, is an excellent sniper and was almost certainly the person who attacked Mizu University. Paz, who has been staying with David, suggests they can use David as bait and lure the assassins into a trap with Paz helping them. Nikki doesn't like the idea at all, but David says he needs to end this and his ties with Treadstone and Blackbriar and all that CIA bullshit once and for all. Pam is sitting in a cafe waiting for someone. The barista arrives, confirms her name and order, and proceeds to sit down at her table. She says she's waiting for someone, and the camera pans up to reveal Josh, looking a bit older and worn down. Josh confirms that he is the one who she's waiting for. Pam asks him why he's been searching for her, and Josh says he has some history with the man most people know as Jason Bourne that needs to be resolved. She asks if Bourne did that, gesturing to Josh's prosthetic leg, and Josh looks confused. He says he wants to find David Webb, not Jason Bourne. Pam realises what's happening, and her eyes widen. A few nights later, David, Paz and Nikki are communicating with earpieces, the classic Bourne thing of they're all chatting mm-hmm. to each mm-hmm. other and stuff, as David moves through a large city crowd in Washington, D.C. They're enacting their plan of drawing out their pursuer, and Paz quickly spots someone who is trailing David from a sniper spot high above them. David confirms and begins to move more quickly, tracing an unusual path through the crowd and towards the subway. Paz reminds David that he won't be able to cover him if he's in the subway, but Nikki reminds him that Bourne knows what he's doing. Paz swears in Spanish and begins heading down to street level to follow them. Bourne heads into the subway and into the male bathroom, planning to at least separate from his female pursuer. He enters the bathroom and heads into a stall, counting the time in his head. The door opens a few seconds later, and Bourne watches the footsteps move across the floor underneath his stall door. The man stops through the urinal and begins peeing. Why well, be family friendly, you know? Yeah. Tom Hanks always loves to piss. Yeah. Yep. On film. Bourne slowly opens the door to see that the peeing man is a tall African American, definitely not who he needs to worry about. And not Tom Hanks. De- definitely not Tom Hanks. <laughs> not Tom Hanks. The stall next to him suddenly erupts as a man. Sm- Sorry, I think it's erupts as it's the Mount Vesuvius. I knew shit. that. Was, I knew oh that was no! I thought that when I wrote it. Oh, God. The stall next to him suddenly erupts as a man smashes through and attacks Bourne. Bourne recognizes him as Kai, the Indonesian assassin from the file, and the two engage in a brutal hand to hand fight. You've got the guy from the raid and Jason Bourne. <laughs> Big fight in the yeah, bathroom. It's going to be a clashing. The guy pissing is just covered in piss now. Aren't we all? Of course. Kai breaks off a nearby tap and begins swinging it like a club at Bourne. The two have a long, intense fight with Kai getting the upper hand on the retired Jason Bourne. Uh, retired in very commas, obviously. Yeah. As Kai is about to smash Bourne's head with a large piece of sink, Paz tackles Kai off of him. Landy contacts Nikki, and Nikki confirms that both Paz and David have activated their trap to catch Kai and Mai. Landy curses, telling Nikki that someone else is on their way to meet David as we speak. She has been tracking David, but didn't realise they were in the middle of their plan already. Nikki confirms that it went a bit off schedule, but Paz and David are handling it. Pam tells Nikki that she's not worried about them. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, 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 indeed. The fight spills out of the bathroom and into the subway platform as Kai is able to fend off both of the former agents. Imagine, like, he is a badass and he is fighting off a Black Bear agent <laughs> and a Treadstone agent mm. both at the same time. He draws a curved knife and lands both, uh, 
He draws a curved knife and lands cuts on both of them as they block and dodge his attacks. A gunshot rings out in the subway, causing people to flee and revealing Mai at the end of the platform with a handgun. She empties a clip at the men fighting, hitting Paz on the shoulder, and proceeds to join the fight when she runs out of bullets. In hand-to-hand combat, Mai and Kai are more than a match for Paz and Bourne. A gritty battle ensues and we hear a train approaching in the distance. Paz manages to shove Mai onto the tracks, but she drags him down with her. Shit. Bourne tries to save Paz while futilely fighting off Kai. As the train gets closer, Paz trips Mai over one of the rails and tries to climb back on the platform. As he climbs, Kai turns away from Bourne and spin kicks Paz back down onto the rails as the train flies past, killing Paz and Mai. Merciless. He's fighting off Jason Bourne, but he still has time to turn around and spin kick the other guy back to the train. <laughs> yeah. Bourne tries to get the upper hand with a brief moment of distraction, but Kai is too fast for him. Kai smashes Bourne's head into a pillar, cracking the tiles. With every blow, Bourne utters a word of the look at us, look at what they make you give phrase, but Kai isn't listening. Kai once again goes to deliver the killing blow to Jason, slumped against the pillar but a gunshot rings out in the empty subway. Josh fires another shot, this time through Kai's head, killing him. We see from Bourne's perspective, almost unconscious and slowly blinking, as Josh kneels in front of him. Josh helps him up and begins carrying him out of the subway. Jason asks who he is, and Josh replies, My name is Joshua, Joshua Webb. Josh and David emerge from the subway as Extreme Ways by Moby begins to play. <laughs> so the son is a thing from the books. He has a he has like a wife and kids from before he was. And uh, yeah, I tie that oh. back in. Interesting. So I know like mm. nothing about the, the books outside mm. of these. Uh, that's very interesting. Um, is it in Legacy? I can't remember if it's in Legacy. I've read mm. like I mean uh, title wise that makes complete sense the legacy mm. would be his children or if not yeah. program so yeah that, that would work entirely yeah um it's I get this is not a uh, necessary complaint to start with this is it's very different it's very it different from what people mm. would expect I think it's different what people might would might want but it's 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 definitely there it's definitely uh, um taking things okay so the things I, I I'm to a degree expecting that aren't present um, and this is kind of the point here because this is where we talk about like the idea of like, oh, I want you know, Bourne should only be three films, but a Bourne film has to have this, 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 and this. It's like, well, no, you you're you're doing the James Bond thing where James Bond got in the same rut of like Bond has to have a martini, Bond mm-hmm. has to drive this car, and you get so quite uh, blogged Bond down. Bond drinks Heineken now. He's cool. sorry, yes, he's down with the kids. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the point. Just saying, like for example. Although there are a lot of things in here, obviously there's tons of action beats and stuff. There are fewer action beats, fewer chases than you would have in a in a Bourne film. I and mean, there's still no a lot. No car chase, obviously. yeah. No car chase, exactly. And that's not a bad thing. It's different. It's new. But the point is that the fans would say, well, "Where is it?" The second thing, and this is the one that was actually throw me for a loop in a weird way. Is this your pinhead moment? No, uh, no, 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 no. It's it's it's, it's me just saying that just just highlighting some some things I'm surprised to see and not see basically. The CIA, CIA stuff is present. It's the idea that this doesn't just go away. The remnants of the program are still there. Um, David slash 
Jason is trying to sort of rehabilitate people. He feels he has a responsibility. He's now teaching. He's, that makes sense. That as a character moving on, rather than him just being in Greece getting in fucking bare knuckle fights because he can't yeah, get move on. Hate that so much. The weapon with no, you know, we, mm. again, just to bring it back to anime for a second, Violet Evergarden, someone who's literally mm. a, bred to be a weapon in war. What she do when she comes back? Doesn't know what to do with herself, so she becomes a person who writes letters for people. She doesn't have to be a <laughs> fucking like. She doesn't have to be still. I mean, obviously, yeah. I don't know. There's different shows that deal with that sort of stuff. But you know what I mean? Anyway, the thing that I found most interesting about this is that it's kind of grounded in a handful of locations. The yes, the other is. films, much in that typical like jet setting, globe trotting. You know, that, that's a remnant of the the Cold War, where it was the idea of like with Bond, uh, well, the original Bond, and also Bond and everyone else is. They can do things that audiences can't do. You know, we're now in uh, in Kenya, and then we're going to go off to, um, you know, sort of northern Pakistan. Then we're going to be in outer Mongolia. Then we're going to take a plane all the way to fucking Argentina. It's like, wow, what crazy exotic locations. This seems incredibly grounded in a handful of places. Mm-hmm. Now, as I say, I don't see that as necessarily a bad thing. I think it's a different thing. And I think what you say about the, the fight scenes, for example, in, in a weird way, the fight in the bathroom, not exactly, obviously, because it's going to be a very different style of thing, but I'm thinking of, weird enough, Mission Impossible Fallout, mm. because that fight in the bathroom, yep, it's quite intense. The camera doesn't cut away too mm. much. It shows you, you know, reloading. Unfortunately, doesn't reload his bit. No, doesn't need to, because he's already a fucking amazing sort of, you know, physical guy. So I think it's, it's going to be a very different feeling film, but I think it's going to... It's going to draw in that immediate reaction of is this a born film now born legacy is a tick box of born things it has all the born stuff one would expect it just doesn't feel like a born film it doesn't work because i've got the character um jason born has all the born stuff in it doesn't work because the story isn't there um i think this pulls on some very interesting threads i like that it links into stuff with nikki and landy and paz especially i think it, it makes sense what you've done there um it's 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 tricky because again like the nature of word count because obviously we talk about the huge huge word count for just the synopses of the previous ones. Um, this is isn't convoluted enough, and that again is a weird yeah. thing to say. It almost feels a bit rushed reading it back, like because oh no, not no enough, yeah, there's I, not enough like other yeah. stuff, B plot stuff going on. Because but I you'd have, have like... to do so much. You'd have to do so much extra that would literally double the word count on this thing. Mm. Um, I think I think what's here is really interesting, and I, I think other than going with like the my name's Joshua Webb ending thing, I would bleed that in a lot more. Um, I I would have, if anything, I would have Jason trying to track down his son mm, interesting. Um, do, do do basically indiana jones where he starts in the school and we establish that he's moved on but then people are trying to say oh, no i've got my own mission i need to go now i've got a lead i'm following or something like that and then people it's like you know paz and landy and everything. they're tracking him on the run that would mm. be something that would keep that that energy that momentum that chase as it were um and he's one step behind but that's just an idea it's throwing out because I, I think what you have here is such a different turn. I don't know if that's a bad thing. It's it's so hard to gauge because yeah. again, like I said, I think this is going to be my controversial one of the season. <laughs> I don't. I is don't know. I think, it, I think it's I just very know. different. Very very different. Tim, what are, you, what are you thinking? Yeah, I I wouldn't. It's tricky because you don't you don't because you've got that final moment 
and to have that land as kind of a twist, you don't want to foreshadow it too much. What I would potentially do is have him recover memories of like a wife and then be mm. trying to track that down without realizing that he at the same time yes. also had a kid. I like that. Um cool. I think interestingly enough, like sort of saying, oh, it feels a little bit rushed in places. I felt like there were a couple of points where like it cuts to like a few days later and stuff happens like a few mm. days later and then there's like the sniper mm. attack on on his classroom and stuff like that. I in that way it felt like it didn't have enough urgency to me because there should I feel like and obviously we would talk about like not necessarily falling into patterns of what a film should be but I feel like no matter what you're doing like if it's a Jason Bourne film no matter what he's been up to in the in the median time once you actually get into the film there should never be a point where he has time to sit down and think about stuff that's yeah and i think you know and, you and you can fill in that space with perhaps some more like conspiracy shit going on or, or whatever um but i think i think that that needs and perhaps you know even if you want to keep it just rooted say in america having a bit more travel involved there and doing kind of like oh you know he's he's found this kind of new life but he's got to kind of stay off the grid to a certain extent so he can't he can't take planes everywhere so he's got to like take train journeys that, that or, was my or thing, drive keeping it in america like yeah he's mm -hmm. fully essentially undercover he's grounded now yeah. so he's not gonna yeah. be flying anywhere yeah so so add the travel elements but 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 have it rooted in the u.s mm. i think could work potentially um so yeah going going from mizzou to washington is mm. a is a fairly big change like it's a big trek for us as brits but yes. like mm. <laughs> yeah i just do that in like two days in america mm. I think I worked out it's like a 15 hour journey or something like that. Yeah. Um, by car. So it's like, that sounds, that's like, we'd be in like Germany by that time. Mm -hmm. Like we'd be in fucking Russia by that time. If we <laughs> traveled from here 15 hours by car, but yeah. Yeah. Do with a few more locations and a bit mm. more travel time. One of the things it, it kind of weirdly reminded me of a little bit is um, like Logan uh, and mm -hmm. kind of the old man Logan uh, comic book as well because you have that tension of we don't really get a Jason Bourne fight scene until the one in the bathroom which is basically the end of the film and then you have that action scene yeah. carry on for the entire rest of the film and it's that it's that thing of like I want I want to see Jason Bourne effectively pop his claws and you just mm. have a few moments of tension like where he disarms Paz and then there's like the attack on the um, school but he doesn't actually fight anyone there he's just like evading shots and then discovers like oh this is where they were but they've they've left the situation at this point kind of thing so i really like that build up of tension of like you're just like you're waiting yeah. for him to fucking pop off and you're aware yeah. that like he's trying to leave that life behind but that that programming is still in him i think that's yeah. a really interesting tension to have there um yeah so my my thinking with that was in the books it's a lot more like he basically like activates born like he's like yeah he's kind of he's more of a like a sleeper agent isn't he? essentially yeah 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 he he's, yeah. he doesn't really have control and then as it is in the first one like i said in the airport that moment where he's suddenly like oh the guy points a gun at him and suddenly everyone's knocked out and he's the one holding the gun and he's like huh what and he just looks around like oh i didn't know i could do that and then suddenly he does mm. it 
he's almost like regressed back to that because he's trying to be David again. It's almost like he's tried to unlearn all of his training. And then, like mm. you said, the moment he pops his claws, it's suddenly like... <laughs> and before Paz, who is another Blackfire agent, mm. who is like super badass mega killer in theory, mm. he outdoes Paz straight away. And Paz is like, oh, thank God, he's still there. Still Jason Bourne. <laughs> and then you get that, yeah, the big, the big fight scene. And my thinking was keeping... I'm amazed they didn't bring Paz back. Like watching Ultimatum, that moment where he does what the professor does for him and delivers that mm. line. I'm like, well, he's the born legacy, right? He's the next one who goes <laughs> rogue and leaves the program. Like, there's your fucking next character, like mm. going on a going on a journey. And it's, and, it's and Edgar Ramirez, isn't stuff. it? Who... Edgar Ramirez, yeah, yeah. which is weird because he he he's a good actor here. He's in a lot of stuff, and people recognize him from certain things. Oh, it's that guy. But I don't think he's really led anything properly for a yeah, very long there's, time there, ironically enough he's most famous for playing carlos the jackal in carlos the biopic <laughs> yes which that's I, thought right. was quite, I looked that up and i was like yeah is that the wait he's playing the oh my god <laughs> it is the same character holy shit yeah um but yeah he's um he's venezuelan for a start so he's done a mm. lot of spanish language stuff and he's quite well known in sort of central america and south america and stuff like that mm. but yeah you really really couldn't as much as I don't like Jeremy Renner, he's a much bigger star than Edgar Ramirez, and I certainly couldn't do a Born Legacy where it's like, here's Paz's film. We'd be like, mm. and yeah. Jason, imagine like a Batman Beyond type thing where Jason is there, like nurturing him and stuff. I have that a little bit, and that is the journey I see for Paz is basically like mm. Born being like, I keep a notebook. You should keep a notebook too. Remember who you were before you were Paz. Try and remember your name, remember your life, all this kind of stuff, and like coach him through that almost. I don't know how I feel about that because it's such a to have like obviously in the first film he's got Marie and in the second film there's people who are on his side like especially like Nikki and people like that but not not in a group with him and in this in your pitch it feels a lot more like there's almost like a little unit of them you've got like Landy and Nikki and Paz and Jason Bourne slash David Webb and I I don't know how I feel about that because him being kind of isolated and having it means he's got more people looking out for him he's less living on his wits but equally I I think if you don't do something like that you are just replaying the earlier films and so I think it a lot of this depends on and I think you know with Greengrass you've got a, a decent director who can get good performances and it I think a lot of it would just come down to and again this you know we we only write a a, a a pitch not a full script like expanding on on the dy the dynamics of the group and stuff like that and how everyone is working together and i i would be really interested to see it because it is so not where i would have i would never have kind of had him with that little unit of kind of support around him and then and then you bring in the son as well at the end and kind of set up like oh you know where's this going to go now yeah because it's so yeah, yeah, it's it to me. It's so it feels so antithetical, but that also means it could be really inspired. So the son comes from the legacy book. He is an assassin. Uh, he is a so born as a Vietnam vet mm. in the books because obviously the first one is in nineteen eighty. So blah 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 blah. Yeah. You backtrack that. Like the Punisher is now an Iraq War guy and not a yeah. veteran, <laughs> yeah, course, not a Vietnam vet because modern times. Um, his son is half Vietnamese. And like oh, is an assassin called Khan, mm. and Bourne doesn't 
recognize he's his son for ages and eventually Khan is able to convince him that he is mm. his son. He like goes and searches for his, for his like uh military history and finds out the body was never found of Joshua mm. Webb and all this kind of stuff. Um and Bourne believes he died years ago and Joshua thinks Jason left him for dead. David, sorry, left him for dead in mm. Vietnam because yeah. And they have that kind of, it's way more of a revenge thing. And he is the antagonist of the book until he's not kind of thing. Um, I did think about going down that path, but I want to do something a little bit different. I didn't want to just be like, it's the book version because the books are so different to the films. There's a lot of other bullshit I'd have to kind of sort through and kind of try and mush it all together. Bold suggestion. Um, Jeremy Renner. (laughs) Is his Jeremy son. Renner sings House of the Rising Sun for two <laughs> hours, right? As in over a Vietnam War uh, like compilation. That's all montage. I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. No. No, I think, and this is gonna be bold, I think you could put your entire film and your in all, almost all of your stuff with the team, the you know, born being a teacher as they web trying not to be this being brought back in by Paz. I think you can do almost all of this as piecemeal flashbacks to a different story where he is out there trying to find other Treadstone agents, Blackbriar, mm. who've gone rogue, much like Paz and to be Mayankai and things like that. And that that's where you get your tension and stuff like that. You have the flashback for more story, more character building, more like, no, 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 this is what happened. I'm doing this because, you know, I tried to adjust. Mm. I tried I like to get away. Too, yeah. I can't leave this life. And I'm not the and again. You could use the fucking tagline. There was never more. There was, there was never just one. You know, the idea that there will always be more of these people, and he has to find. Them. It's like at the end of World War Two, people are still in bunkers, thinking the war's still going. You need a soldier to come say, "Stand down," and it becomes more him going from place to place, trying to stop these people. Some he has to kill. Some he thinks he can bring in, and I think the tragedy is that this it keeps the the idea of the the tension is there, the pacing is there. You get the conflict that's there and you get the nomadic loneliness of it all. You get the mm. idea that this man can't settle down. He tried it. It didn't work. Again, it very kind of Logan-esque there. Yeah. And then eventually he could find Joshua Webb as one of these people and be very conflicted about what do I do with this person? Who doesn't realize who he is, who he was, the connection, that kind of thing. I think there's, it can definitely be in there um, and still have the sort of action from people are expecting, as it were, because I think what you've got is the core emotional side of things and the and the, the narrative side of things, which is nothing wrong with that at all. This is good, but it needs to have that. As Tim mentioned earlier, Bourne can't sit still unless he's having a nightmare or a flashback, <laughs> and that's when it slows down. I mean, the one thing that Bourne Legacy does too much is it locks off the camera to a well lit room where Renner and uh, Oscar Isaac is having a nice conversation, and you're like. Yeah. As Tim said, great. If you're going for that kind of movie, do it and have them, you know, be lovers. But if you're not, you need to have something happening because almost everything in the action films and the Bourne films, like you're cutting back to footage from Supremacy and Four Miles. It's hand cam. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's frenetic because you're in that moment. And I think there's a lot of that here. And I think the emotionality is good, but it needs that driving force that's mm. the, the ticking time bomb element of I'm just here. Like, where am I now? I'm in Budapest trying to look for this fucking guy. Where am I now? I'm in Puerto Rico looking for another guy. You know, Hop, 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 all over the Funnily place. Enough, he is in Budapest in the book. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me. He's yeah. probably been everywhere in the fucking books. But I think, it's yeah, and, like and him. France, Budapest. Yeah. Because he's never a fish out of water. Yeah. He's always able to blend. He's always able to get through these things. And he's, he's almost to a fault, 
uh, able to escape things without with ease. And I think an older, more tired born could be interesting. Where he he is slipping a bit, and he's aware that this thing he's on this like the final crusade, as it were, might be his last. But he still needs to do it for the right reasons and hand the legacy down to his son. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As as a suggestion, as an idea. Yeah, I think you you could also have something interesting there with with like the him feeling the responsibility, but torn because he, he you know he he tried to give it up, he tried to live a normal life, and then he's found himself drawn back into it as with the previous films. But now he is this like. No, I've got to try and serve these damaged people, you know. That, yes. That, that, and you could kind of have Joshua almost like be one step behind him looking for him. And mm. there's the mm. tragedy of like, if Joshua had started looking for him earlier or found the clue earlier or whatever, or if, if Bourne was able to actually sit still for a while, then Joshua would catch up with him and be reunited yeah, and there would be this kind of emotional catharsis but because he's having to constantly like go on to the next thing it takes time you know you don't get that until the end of the film because i think logan lerman like as a, as a son for him is actually pretty good casting i can see there's enough yeah. like familial resemblance while also mm. being like clearly younger and he's got that kind of fresh-faced look to him that i think would work very well yeah, I think I think ultimately the takeaway is that we like what you've done with Jason's character. I think the presentation of the format of how it's going under sort of going through is something that we need to work through. But let's face mm. it, as we've always said, action takes place. It's, <laughs> it's just the you know the, the 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 narrative, the motivation is there, and that's what I was saying earlier. What the fuck is Jason's narrative? What's his motivation? Mm. Um, it's like. Are you trying to take down the CIA? Is this what you fucking want? I prefer what you've done, where it's like, there are some damaged fucking people I need to help. There are kids who need to be taught how to do things. And I, I think that's much stronger. And also, if you have a passage of time, like 2015, 2016, whatever it is, it makes more sense that he's gone away. He's done some thinking. He's like, maybe I can't better myself. Maybe I can't mm -hmm. change, but I can change other people. I can, I can help other people. I've, I would... If you want to be a true fucking patriot for this country, help the people that the country has fucked. Yeah, yeah. That's how you mm. fix the situation. I think that all you need is that sort of realization, maybe some conversations in a flashback with Landy or Nikki that, you know, it's like, you know, we retired from the CIA for a reason. We left that place. There's yeah. no fixing it from the inside. You can't take it down. You can't fix it. You just fix the people who've been affected mm. by it, the stars on the wall. And it's like, like we said, you know, the, the, the CIA should be the bad guy, but you're never going to, you it's completely unrealistic, especially in a film as grounded, a film universe as grounded as the Bourne films. Like you can't have Jason Bourne just defeat the CIA. Like, yeah, like, he's not obviously, like, obviously <laughs> the, the entire like cast of deputy directors and all that kind of stuff yeah. go through that committee hearing and are arrested and whatever else, you know, yeah. Vosen's gone and Kramer's gone and all this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And then again in jason bourne it's like oh tommy lee jones is here new ca director yeah and at first i was like oh fuck's sake and i was like oh no that is how that works they just replace yes yeah just it, it, it doesn't how it works it doesn't matter that you've wiped out like everyone who worked like not wiped out as in killed but like taken out of the power everyone yes. who worked on treadstone and blackbriar because the the institution remains and even Hail if you Hydra. get even if you get rid of those individual Hail people Hydra, they're just going to be filled by more suits who will do 
if not the same things, then equally bad things. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the Alicia Vikander. I know Tim haven't seen anything, but Alicia Vikander is literally she's fucking twenty one, even though she's you know close <laughs> to thirty. That film, and she's like, you, you sort of always she more trustworthy. She's younger. She's one yeah. of us. And it's like, oh no, she's just fucking and, climbing the ladder as well. Yeah, and she tries hell. to sell herself to Bourne at the end. It's spoilers for Jason Bourne, but fuck off, don't watch we're, that movie. Yeah, we're, um, she does a whole thing where she's like, I'm different to everyone else, Jason. We can work together. And then he play he plays a tape of her back at her, saying like, "Once we're done with Bourne, we can get rid of him. He's just an yeah. asset." <laughs> and he's like, "You're just like the rest, motherfucker." And he walks yeah. off, um, which is true. Anyway, so we've we've talked at great length about this movie, but yeah, I still again accounts for stuff. This is an improvement over Legacy because it's very interesting where it goes, and I think the presentation is different. And as I said before about how coming back with another Bourne in my own personal review of, of Jason Bourne 2016, isn't enough. Coming back with a spin-off that's so around the throat of uh, you know, the original trilogy that people very much love and still holds up to this day, while being a direct sequel doesn't work. You need to do something different. Now, that, was, that, was, that was my big driver. I can factor, see that, definitely, sure. yeah. It feels much more like, as I say, like uh, more like a sort of 1970s spy drama-y kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I, I think there are elements... Yeah, they're all wearing can... moustaches and big glasses. Established. <laughs> Reading through newspapers and looking through holes in them. Yeah, I genuinely thought about doing the, like, sit next to each other on a bench thing, and I was like, that's <laughs> a bit too cheesy. Well, again, that's, that, that becomes that's very a, That's a real spy tactic, for the record. But, mm. Of course, you know, as I say, there's only there's only one other thing in the in 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 your pitch I think is is missing, and it's something that's also missing in Bourne Legacy and also oh. missing in Jason Bourne. Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner. Um, no, Oscar it's Oscar Isaac. It's it's the technology, um, mm. the fact that Jason Bourne is low tech with his pen and his news ma- magazine sort of thing and his his really simple low fi results and responsible thing because he's an old sto- old school spy in a world where spying is becoming more technological, more Snowden style, more invasive, but he's an old style, old school style hammer to that. And the same way like they, like they do a bond, the whole um, like, yeah, you're, you're, you're just telling me about bond now. <laughs> that's the problem. But that's what, that's what born is as well. I can do well. more sat in my pajamas with a laptop than you can in <laughs> uh, months in the field. Bond. Yeah. I'm like, well, you still need someone to pull the trigger cue. Like, yeah. yeah. And that, and that's kind of the thing with, with, with born in, in a manner of speaking, he's, he's, aware of the system he doesn't operate through the system for some reason and it's difficult because i think you could do you could also make a statement in this film that Bourne has been out of the field and out of the circle as it were for eight years all the technological upgrades Mm -hmm. that he can stay one step ahead of aren't relevant anymore like someone who comes back to a job after 20 years and says oh in my day we used to do this on the cash (laughs) register we go clack clack on the credit card right shut the fuck up we have contactless on watches whatever you're saying is irrelevant now. All your little fixes. My watch. <laughs> yeah, your your little stuff here makes no sense in this world. Oh, I'll just do this to hide from a camera. What are you fucking talking? Everybody's phone is a camera. You div, and you can hack all of them at once. Yeah, this Batman. is the first born film in the era of smartphones, isn't it? So like, yeah, yeah, there are bits that that, that, that mm. again. That's that's just me again picking up things that we can we can. And inject they do too into. much of that in Jason Bourne, where they're like, hey, look. That's true. Riz Ahmed is basically Mark Zuckerberg. You're like, what? Yeah. The fuck are you talking about? Riz Ahmed yeah. plays like a social media CEO Dr- Dream guy. Dream something? Yeah, oh, Dreamscape yeah. or something. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And he's he's in bed with the CAA for some dodgy shit and then decides to go against them for seemingly suddenly yeah. suddenly gets a conscience and they go against him and for some reason Bourne is also involved. It's such a weird 
plot. It's so, so weird. I love Riz Ahmed. Mentioned Sound of Metal. He's amazing. Mm. But I mean, he's me. wasted in things like Venom and everything else. He gets attached to a big project oh, and they're like, God. what are you doing with this guy? I don't know. Just don't want to he's, do with him. He's one of those, like, when he's given the opportunity, he's the best. He's like oh, yeah, one of yeah. the best actors in the world. Of course. And then he's like, oh, he's in some big budget thing for like half an hour. Yeah, he's fine. He's, like, he's both kind of wasted in Rogue One as well, but he also stands out in Rogue One. I think that's one of the sort of, sort mm. of exceptions to with the rule. Gullet. <laughs> Bord Gullet. Um, but yes, anyway, we're, we're digressing too much here. Yes. Point is, it's an improvement. It's interesting. Um, I would definitely watch it. Cool. I think it's, it's very different. Yeah. Yeah. I really like some of the different. I like the, the adjusting the pacing and the tension there and, and doing something a little bit. I quite mm. like your idea, Matt, of this sets up another film and this could be the flashback sequences. And I'm just mm. piecing together the flashbacks. <laughs> That's quite fun. We end up doing a, a fifth film that is something a bit different again. And <laughs> having, yeah, that journey. I really like the having him one step behind and having the son, the son, yeah. son chase the father or the father chase the son. I quite like mm. twisting that around and having born again. He's the winter soldier. The winter soldier is him. It's true. It's I true. did think about him going on like his redemptive con like, like journey, basically mm -hmm. going and apologizing to all the people he killed and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, I said, it's because I watched Winter Soldier recently, isn't it? It's because I watched <laughs> Winter Soldier and he's got his little notebook of names and stuff. Like, But this is before that, so I would be original in 2015. That's true. That's true. But it's, it's reflective of our times because <laughs> we mentioned about, you know, it reflects the politics and stuff. Mm. People now don't see foreign interference as a point of pride. It's like a point of shame. And now it's like, we need to apologize. We need to go. Yeah. And I say that, yeah. not a lot of people, but yeah, media is pointing that way. Mm. Well, listeners, if you're a big fan of Jason Bourne or Bourne Legacy or the Ultimatum, Supremacy, the books even, who knows? Give us a feedback. Hit us up on social media. We are Sequelizers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can come and join us on the Discord. There's links for that in our pinned tweet on our Twitter. Or you can go to Sequelizers.com where you find all the links to the social media, links to the shop, the links to the Discord, links to Patreon, links to all the different podcast platforms of your choice. If you want to argue with me about how I ruined the Bourne franchise, <laughs> you can hit me up. I am JLWJambers. I didn't add Jeremy Renner. That is the problem. He didn't do a cover version in a weird like pop country rock version of Extreme Ways by Moby. And that's where we were, where I went wrong. <laughs> I feel like it's it's such a symbol of the of how bad and how how inferior Bourne Legacy is, is that they get Moby to come back and do like a remix of Extreme Ways mm -hmm. and it's so much worse than the original <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah let's not do the original one where it has that real kind of like early 2000s vibe this is a modern film and we need to do something a bit different it's like no no no. the whole point is that it oh fucking hell yeah anyway nostalgia star exactly. wars dictates everything nostalgia exactly i'm jlw chambers on all the social media matt how can people find you on social medias around the web the david web David Webb. Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. You can go to the redrighthand.co.uk and read my reviews. You can go to cheesemint.com and see the things that I make. Tim, if I was to find a laser pointer in your hip and I was to point a button and it projected something onto the wall with a code and that code started with an at and took me to a website, what, would that, what, would that, what information would I glean from that, Tim? Uh, it would say at trivia underscore lad uh, and tell you to go to my Twitter account to check out all my latest ramblings 
Um, I've just done uh, some writing for uh, Shelf Dust, a comics criticism site that you might like to check out. Uh, looking at Love some Shelf Dust, uh, Secret Invasion, the Marvel event from I think two thousand and eight. Mm. Um, and uh, I'm also a guest guesting on their podcast, Shelf Dust Presents, nice. uh, which should be going up around now. Also talking about that event, but looking at one of the spin-off comics. So if you're at all interested in comics or Secret Invasion or uh i mean it's about to show up in the mcu at some point as a series on disney plus so get ahead of it uh by checking that stuff out but yeah anything else i do goes up on my twitter feed uh where it's usually just filled with me uh retweeting jokes tim i've turned to zurich i'm sorry i i I had the thing upside down it's all right you'll find a safety deposit box with my a copy of my twitter account inside perfect Amazing. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with something very different once again. I know I say this every time. With the with the secret prequel to the Born Identity. Oh God! Where did he get his amazing skills? You'll find out. Yeah, he learned it from somebody. Montage. Training montages. That's your clue, listeners. That's it. See you next week. Bye.